The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, my God. I just realized I haven't retweeted today's show. From our A's Cast Live Twitter account to let everybody know what a kick-ass show we got today and what the commander has put together for you. The skipper is on vacation. The skipper is riding his bike, clearing his head, and he's still going to join us here on A's Cast Live because that's how we roll. The Bob Melvin Show will be here at 2 o'clock. And this will, this will probably be the last Melvin for a while because we're going to want to give him a break, you know. So, and with him and David Forrest, the way I see it is we'll probably get them each probably around once a month. David probably more pressing if something happens. You know, Bob, if something happens, if there's a big trade or free agent signing or whatever. But, you know. These guys grinded for us every single week, and we really appreciated it. And uh, this will be the Bob Melvin show to kind of wrap up the season, talk about the postseason, talk about what he expects in the offseason, and then we'll give Bob a little break because he's going to be doing some vacationing. A great San Jose State Spartan, former big leaguer, now does radio for the Philadelphia Phillies. A good friend, Kevin Franzen, Bay Area kid, literally lives like two minutes from me. Like his grandma, his grandma, they just sold the house and they tore it down and they rebuilt. His grandma lived like literally in a car ride like 20 seconds from me. So uh, both guys went to San Jose State. We'll kick it around. Obviously, Kapler's been fired out of Philadelphia. We'll get his thoughts. And that's a big job. That's major market, folks. Philadelphia is a player. They got cash. You know, you're 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 in that area where you're in the Northeast. Very competitive. They want to win. They're looking up and they're saying, "Man, we were supposed to win this division." And here the Nats are starting out today in the NLCS. We'll get his thoughts because Franny knows the American League East as good as anybody. And then how about this? Did we not put a time for Swishalicious? We're going to have Nick Swisher, friend of the program. Nick Swisher obviously works for Fox. Fox have today's game? Where they got Saturday's game? So we will talk to Nick Swisher about a lot of different things. A's, Yankees, Astros. You can go anywhere with Swish. Really one of the most fun guys to have on the air. 
And we did when we did the top fifty A celebration. I mean, you get going with Swish. I don't think Swish has ever had a bad day. You know, I always like to joke it never rains in my world. It it clear it rains in my world. It never rains in Nick Swisher's world. Swish is the goods. He'll be here at three o'clock, and then a really good friend of the program, a guy that I got to know, a guy that I got to trust, a guy that gave me real insight. And it's really you know. I think it's so overrated when people say, oh, yeah, you can really learn from somebody in this game. You know, I learned so much. Johnny Gomes is a guy you could learn from. I have the utmost respect for Johnny Gomes. You know, when he came over here to the A's, I knew he grew up an A's fan. I knew he was a winner. I knew he was from Petaluma. But he's one of those guys. Where I was in my career I wasn't that much older than him. So over a few beers and you talk and next thing you know, you kind of become friends and you get to know him. And if he wants, he will manage someday. And he's the type of guy that he gets in your clubhouse, you you win. It's just a reality. Because Johnny Gomes doesn't have to be the best player. Johnny Gomes has the respect of the clubhouse. He can police the clubhouse. He can have fun. He can wear the robes. He can do all of that. But he knows when things start going awry, he can pull a Josh Reddick aside and say, stop it. Johnny Gomes policed the clubhouse for the A's as good as I've ever seen. So how about that lineup? Bob Melvin at 2, Kevin Franzen at 2.30, Nick Swisher at 3 o'clock, and then Johnny Gomes at 3.30. And then there was four. Think about this journey. Journey starting spring training. We knew the A's were going to be good. Not everybody did. They had won 97 games the year before. How good were they going to be this year? Or was last year an aberration? It started in Japan, and then it ended in Oakland in the wild card game. But it's been a crazy year. And I think what's great about this show is how we talk everything Major League Baseball. This really is a Major League Baseball show, always going to be slanted in a way for the green and gold. But it is a Major League Baseball show. You You can tell by our guest. And you just think about these teams that are no longer with us. As we will talk about the NLCS starting tonight. I did predict it would be Nationals Cardinals, if you remember correctly, Cody. Do you have the audio of that? You you can't find the audio. <laughs> Can you imagine? You could have bet on that. Could have bet on Nats Cardinals. Nats Cardinals. Think think about this. The Dodgers won 106 games. They're not here. You got the A's won 97 games. They're not here. The Rays won 96. They're not here. The Indians won 93. Nope. Bye-bye. The Atlanta Braves won 97. You realize the the Nationals won 93? 
and the Cardinals, they won 91. And these guys are playing to go to the World Series. It's the beauty of baseball. And it's why this will always hold true. Once they expanded playoffs in every sport, Every sport, well, every sport other than basketball. Until we see someone from bas- until we see an eight seed or a seventh seed win an NBA title, this doesn't hold water in basketball. It doesn't football. We have seen wild card. Football was the one where we really saw the wild cards because you know football started using wild cards pretty early. Raiders were a wild card Super Bowl winner. You know the wild card teams. They got a shot to win the Super Bowl. We've seen the eight seed win the Stanley Cup. And now with baseball, and it happened in 2002, what were they then? They weren't the California Angels. Were they the Anaheim Angels at the time? They were just the Anaheim Angels, I believe, when they won the World Series in 2002. They had yet to become the Los Angeles they were the, yeah, they were the Anaheim Angels in 02, and then they became the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and then now just the Los Angeles Angels that play in Orange County, which has nothing to do with Los Angeles. Orange County is completely different from Los Angeles. It's the dumbest thing ever. But yeah, they were the Anaheim Angels at the time. They showed they showed the way. The wild card team winning the World Series. Wait, the the Marlins weren't the wild card team in 97? Now that I think about it, were they a wild card team? Probably not. Because I covered that series when I was at KMBR. And I want to say, yeah, they were the first two wild card teams ever to to make the World Series. Now the 97, they finished second in the NL East. So they were they were the first wild card team to win it. Let me correct myself now that I think about it. They had to have been the first wild card team to win the World Series. Whatever. We you 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 get my point. Wild card teams, look at the Nats. And people said, hey, the Nats are gonna be tough. They're gonna be no day at the beach. And that's where we are. Michaelis up against Sanchez. Coming up here at 508. The NLCS is upon us. This is the second time these teams have met in the postseason. The Cardinals stunned the Nationals and the 2012 NLDS. Does anybody remember that special? No, I bet you the Professor Matt Pearl remembers this one. This is when they shut down Steven Strasburg. They were so worried about Strasburg that they shut him down. And the Cardinals would move on to the NLCS where they would lose to the San Francisco Giants. You want to know how good the Cardinals have been? I mean, they're one of the great franchises of all time. Their 14th NLCS appearance. For the Nats, it's their second. And you go, wait a minute, how's that possible? That can't be possible. Yes, it is because they used to be the Expos. Used to love the Expos. When I was a little kid, the Expos would come to town one time a year, the red, white, and blue unis, 
And they had great players. I mean, you're talking Tim Raines and Gary Carter and Andre Dawson. And they had those light blue unis. And they'd come in and they'd smoke you. They had legit talent. Well, the Expos lost to the Dodgers in the 1981 NLCS. The Cards won five of seven against the Nats this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Michaelis gets the start in game one. He got the start in game one of the NLDS. Why do you shake your head? Because he was a pirate? Now, Commander Cody's having a tough time. You know how many pirates of former pirate pitchers have pitched in the playoffs so Okay, far? wait a minute. Um, let's see. Last night. What happened last night? Uh, Garrett Cole was pretty good at a UCLA. Who drafted uh, Garrett Cole? Well, first the Yankees, but he didn't sign. Well, that was out of high school, so it doesn't count. The, the team that drafted him number one overall would have been uh, my Pittsburgh Pirates. And then Glass now, which we got to get into the, the – it goes beyond tipping pitches, by the way. And last night, whether you're watching FS1 – have I told you my whole thing about, like, FS1? Like, if you tell me, like, in December or, let's say, January – what channel is FS1? I, I couldn't oh, yeah. tell you. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. you got to, like, refind it for the baseball playoffs, and then they have college football on there. It's kind of like the CBS I, Sports Network. I only know it's 219 on DirecTV when I used to have it. Now with Sling, it just says Fox. It just says FS1. So whether you're watching FS1 or you're watching MLB Network, which I did both because that's what I do, they've got to toe a line. They can't go over this line. I'm going to give you that line in a second. But Glassnow used to play for who? Uh, he was a pirate. That was a great huh. trade. Him and uh, Austin Meadows for Chris Archer. Miles Mikolas was a pirate for a couple days, and the Pirates DFA'd him after they got him in a trade. They got him and ja- Jeff Decker. Decker. Mikolas wasn't a high. Dra- no. He wasn't a high. Pro- he was a 25 year old. They got and he had like seven big league starts, and they DFA'd him a couple days later. And then he went to Japan and or he pitched overseas somewhere. I think it was Japan or Korea and pitched well. Came back, Cardinals play, pitched, uh, signed him. He's pitched well. Uh, Charlie Morton, former Pirate, he's pitched pretty well. And then, uh, well, the Nats have Hunter Strickland, and he was a Pirate for well, a little bit. Well, you don't want him. He, gave the most, he has like nine home runs going to posting. So I believe I believe Hunter Strickland, uh, off the top of my head, has given up nine home runs in 13 games. Yeah, we don't we don't claim him as a uh, oh, you former don't claim. Pirate. No, the other guys we Mick do Nicholas, claim. you're claiming. Yep. Glassnow, you're claiming. Cole. Cole. Morton. Meadows. Oh, that's right. The great friend of the program, Austin Meadows, yeah, he is. was on the program. The war for that team is pretty high. Second highest behind only, well, we want think about what your Think about what the Pirates rotation could look at. Right? But you know what? There's a lot of teams that could do that. Well, the rotation right now could be Glasnow, Cole, uh, Jameson Tyon if you didn't have Tommy John surgery. You can throw Charlie Morton in there if you want. And, well, I guess, well, they wouldn't have Chris Archer so you can take him out. Maybe Joe Musgrove, who's their, probably their next best pitcher. I mean, that's a pretty good staff. But Cole wouldn't be Cole if he would have stayed. No, he'd be, he'd be still throwing his two-seamer. And, and Cole changed going to the Astros. Yeah, he he was never a big strikeout guy at the Pirates. He had the 20 wins the one year, 19 wins one year, but that was it. He, never, he, he broke 200 strikeouts, but that was really about it. Okay, so last night, as I was observing everything baseball, I was listening to these guys, but I, I don't think they really – I don't think they really could tell you the truth. And we'll talk about that truth next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, 
A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I'm taking nothing away from the Houston Astros. And I'm actually, I'm glad they won. Not because I like the Astros. It's just I want to see the heavyweight bout. I mean, how many times in boxing are you expecting a great fight and then one of those guys in his tune-up loses and it's like, ugh. Because I could tell you this. I know how Ray's Yankees goes. We, we saw that all season long. The Yankees have their number. And if the Rays got to start out, first two games of Yankees, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see the two big boys in the American League go after it. Let's go. Both these guys have a puncher's chance to knock each other out. And you're not going to see Verlander or Cole in the first game. We're going to see Cody's guy. Cody loves him some Grinky, except when it's in the postseason. Because Grinky doesn't seem to rise up in the postseason. Like what I call him, the right-handed version of Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. He's the Clayton Kershaw. Oh, they were once great teammates. They were. And Grinky, another 68-word uh, press conference today. Over under 68 pitches tomorrow. Oh, you better not. He had 61 in the first one. But you're pitching in that. You're pitching in that. You're pitching, and we got to address the baseballs, too, by the way. The whole story, which it came out that random Twitter account who I don't remember who it was. The Italian stallion, Joey Libatori of the A's had it. Um, they don't have a blue check mark. They're not verified, but they have like over 100,000 people follow them. that said that baseball is going to be changing the balls for the postseason, going back to the old ball, which I don't know what that means exactly because – I, I was given I was given last year's ball, and last year's ball feels as hard as this year's ball and looks about the same size. Are they going back to the ball from three years ago? For We'll address that. Now, last night on FS1, where you have A-Rod, former A and Hall of Famer Frank Thomas, and Big Poppy talking about tipping pitches – and what we saw in last night's game. And then if you went to MLB Network, you would have saw them really breaking it down. Two friends of the program, and folks, if you don't understand what that means, it's guys that come on this show. Uh, Harold Reynolds and Dan Plesak. Plesak has been one of our favorites. Tyler Glass now, big right-hander, was about 68. So when he would come set, they showed that his fastball, the glove would be just above, like just under his chin, just above at the top of the letters. On their road jerseys, does it say Rays? What are the road jerseys? I don't even think. I don't even think about something like that. I think it says Rays. We're looking it up right now. Images. Does it say yeah? No. Yeah, it said both their home and their road say Rays. Because they're really not Tampa Bay. They're really playing St. Petersburg. Okay, so when he had come set, his glove would be like at the top of where it says Rays just under his chin. That's fastball. Now, when you get to a level where there are cameras everywhere, 
Every single game, cameras, video. There's cameras facing you. There's cam- As a pitcher, there's cameras facing you. There's cameras behind you. There's cameras from both sides. They see everything. Now, there are people in, who are masters at watching other human beings' and tendencies, whether it's scouts, whether it's other players. I've played with a guy like that before where he could just sit there and look, and he, and he could tell you, curveball, fastball. I mean, you could tell because one of the things that amateur pitchers really give away is when they're going to dig in for back, back in the day when people were throwing split fingers. My bust. So I hate when you're on a website and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, what is it? What is it? Is a Volvo S60 uh, advertisement playing? So back in the day, when a lot of people were going to a split finger fastball, you could they would tip their pitch by you could tell their the, by their by the way they would dig in for the ball. So how they combated that? Because it went on for a while. How they combated that is that when they'd have the ball in the glove, or what they would do is they would put the ball in their right hand and already put it in a split-finger grip. So when they would come set, if it wasn't a split-finger, well, then you could switch to slider, four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, and now you're not. But that was the thing. When people first started, you know, it was like the late 80s into the early 90s, you know, the chic pitch was the split-finger fastball. Guys, would you could tell they're digging in, and then everybody knew, split-finger's coming, don't swing. But last night... It was fairly obvious, and especially to the you know if he's been doing this for a while, shame on the Rays for not know, noticing it. In an era of Big Brother's watching, I mean, this is like it's unbelievable. Everybody's watching everything because there's so many cameras. But I will say this: even if you do know something's coming, when it's ninety-eight moving, the breaking ball that Bregman hit into right center, that's still tough to hit. I don't care if you know, like, Nolan Ryan back in the day, there's got I me. Mean, Garrett Cole could get out there right now and say, I'm throwing a fastball. I remember Kurt Schilling in a couple at-bats to guys in his prime, he would mouth fastball. Randy Johnson could tell you he was throwing a fastball. Doesn't mean you're going to hit it. You still have to hit it. But what they showed the sequences at the beginning of the game was how certain breaking balls that were pretty nasty, their guys didn't even flinch. A-Rod made a good point. A-Rod made a, a good point by saying, you know what, even if you know, you should like, even on one of the breaking balls you know you're not going to swing, kind of flinch at it. Show a little acting. Because immediately after that first inning, Glass now knew something's up. Like, I, I've thrown some good pitches, and they just don't even—they don't even sniff at it. You know what? These guys aren't that good. So they made some good points last night on television, but where they couldn't go was reality. Houston has been cheating, and they've been doing it for years under this new regime. Multiple teams—I do know this for a fact. Multiple teams have filed grievances with Major League Baseball about the Houston Astros in their building. Something's going on. I wish I could go more in depth, but I don't want to get in trouble. 
But I can just tell you there's teams that know there's funny business going on. Just like there was funny business going on with the iWatches and that kind of stuff with the Boston Red Sox. This has been going on forever. Did Fossey, Fossey, Fossey ever tell that story in Cleveland? Maybe. Fossey didn't like to talk. I guess why I got him to finally tell it. It's as simple as he was out in center field. There's nobody out there. He's out in center field with binoculars. He's got like a sock on his arm. And if he like raised the sock, it's a fastball. I mean, this stuff's been going at the Sky Dome in Toronto. But there's something about the Houston Astros that multiple baseball teams are like, hey, something's going on here. And it's been happening. And right now I just got something from the 408 Townie. I've been seeing what looks like iPads in the dugouts. Yes. And that's one of the things that I think about with technology and the whole Kershaw I noticed in game five, so yes, they do have these iPads where they can look up, um, you can look up pitchers and hitters and you can actually review, instead of having to walk back in, you can review. One of the guys for the Nats, the, the camera focused on him and behind they were showing highlights of Clayton Kershaw. Why was this a bad move? Why was this a bad move by the Dodgers Let's talk about that next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. The Bob Melvin Show coming your way here at the top of the hour. And if you just think I'm spitballing about the Houston Astros, all you got to do is go to your, whatever your search preference is. I went to Google. How does Houston Astros cheat? That's all I put in. Here's the search results. October 17, 2008, NBCBoston.com. New details emerge about Astros cheating allegations. From TheGuardian.com, October 17, 2018, MLB investigation clears Houston Astros from any cheating. Let me see what the entire doesn't give you the entire cheating in the playoffs. Okay. Go down another story from Cleveland.com. If the Houston Astros did cheat against the Cleveland Indians. From Bleacher Report, October 17th, 2018. Stealing signs could be a tip of the iceberg in Astros cheating. Foxnews.com, their sports, October 17, 2018. Astros accused of cheating after man spotted filming. Let's see what the title, the title is. Yeah, Houston Astros accused of cheating after man spotted filming opposing dugout. All of this, no, no. So, I don't know. I do know this. The A's had a problem with it. Tribe had a problem with it. The Red Sox kind of have a lot of nerve to have a problem with it. 
But there's multiple teams that have said, wait a minute, there's a lot of funny business going on here. Now, whether they pick it up from the glove or not of glass now, they had four hits and 17 pitches. And every, right? It was four hits and 17 pitches. Five hits and seven. Five hits and 17 pitches last night? They're the Astros were the first team ever to start a winner-take-all playoff game with four consecutive hits. Was it just the glove? Because in, in game one, Glassnow allowed four hits to 20 hitters, and then he allowed five hits in his first 17 pitches last night. Was it just – well, because here's my thing. It's like if you're going to say two of the hits were off curveballs, you know, so it's not like if they went to the plate, they went up to the plate saying, if he's throwing a curve, I'm not swinging at it. Now, a couple good curveballs, they didn't swing at it. But Bregman and who was it, Guriel, but I think both had singles. So maybe that, okay, curveball, if he leaves on the zone, I'm going. But whether it was his positioning of the glove between fastball, curveball, or maybe it's the other stuff that's been going on, they had 60 wins at home this year. They're a fantastic team. But I, I just, I've been personally told by high-ranking baseball people there's funny business going on in that building. But what are they going to Are they going to say that on MLB Network? Are they going to say that on FS1? These are people who are connected to Major League Baseball. They're not. Let me tell you the thing about the Dodgers, because I think the texter brought up a, a, a good thing that if you're noticing – these iPads that they're able to use in the dugout, which you usually think, oh, that's a no-no. So what they're able to do is they're able to watch highlights. And this is where Friedman, and I feel really bad for Dave Roberts. I really do. He's getting hammered. But do, you, do, do people really think that was all Dave Roberts? Do you really think that? I hope you don't. I've tried to educate you. There's certain managers who follow a script. They're told what to do on just about everything. Kevin Cash has an analytics guy in uniform, nicknamed Jay Money. In the race, he tells him what to do. Kevin Cash doesn't make decisions. Kevin Cash doesn't make the lineup. And I know people go, well, that, it should be about the match. Hey, it works. They won 96 games. And they were one game away from the ALCS. Dave Roberts is not independently making decisions. Why? The guy who runs the Dodgers is the guy that ran the Rays. The Rays have been doing this for years. A Rays manager's responsibility is to get players to buy in. Listen, this is what we're going to do. Just understand, this is how we're going to go about playing this game today. You guys all need to get get in and buy in. So when I pinch hit for you, when I take you out of the game, Charlie Morton, I know you want to go longer and you're an established guy. Not happening. We're going to the bullpen. And you've seen a couple times this year, Charlie Morton wasn't thrilled about it, but it's just the way it works. And I think about Dave Roberts and everybody's hammering them, and it's like, here we go again. Here we go again. People think, well, why isn't he using Jansen? Well, why isn't he doing this? Why is he doing Kershaw? They told you. They told you before the game. 
that Kershaw was coming in, which that takes me back to the iPad of being stupid because I don't remember who they put the camera on, but they put the camera on a guy in the, in the, in, in the, um, in the Nationals dugout while while Bueller was still on the mound, and it had it had Kershaw highlights on it, so these guys, these hitters in that dugout, were preparing for Strasburg. I mean, uh, for for uh, Kershaw, because you told them he's coming in after Bueller. The element of surprise gone. So these guys knew in the back of their mind before and. You see it when you go into a big league clubhouse. These guys are all in the video room watching video before the game. That's that's what's what they do. They're studying Bueller. I mean, you you are like thankful, thankful they took Walker Bueller out to put in Clayton Kershaw. He got that one out, and then they should have that, that should have been it. And then they start talking about Joe Kelly. Why did you wait? You know, why did you put Soto on? Why did you not bring the lefty in to get him out? Then once, you know, why didn't you not bring in Jansen? You know what? Because I'll tell you this. Knowing what I know about certain organizations and like the Dodgers, I bet someone like Friedman is like, the only way I want Jansen coming in is a clean inning. I'd rather have Joe Kelly out there. But what happens is, Kendrick hits the grand slam. Well, they get the couple hits. Then you walk Soto. Then the grand slam, and it's ball game over. Problem is, Dave Roberts has to go in there and answer all the questions, and then the smart guys who told him what to do, they don't. They don't have to come down and say, okay, wait a minute. Why did Dave do that? Well, that was what we wanted them to do. These games are scripted out in a lot of ways. Who's going to pitch hit, when they're going to do it, how long they're going to pitch. If a guy gets the X amount of pitches, they told you Kershaw's coming in after Bueller, which I would have never done. I would add the element of surprise. I would add two guys warming up there. I would have never said Kershaw for sure was coming in. You don't know. Is Kershaw coming in? Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. All those guys prepared all day long for Bueller and Kershaw because they knew exactly what. And you're going to see Kelly, and you're going to see, you know, Maeda came in in that game. But, yeah, that's the thing you'll see. You'll see iPads where they're able – they don't have to go back up into the clubhouse now. And what's crazy about the technology that they have, you can can load up – give me every curveball Clayton Kershaw has thrown in the last two weeks. Give me every slider. Give me every fastball. I mean, you can see – they have video for everything. And you can just punch up anything. But that was a bad move. We didn't get to talk about this because we weren't on yesterday. To me, that strategically, that was a bad move, basically telling your opponent, this is how we're going to handle the game. Why? What's the point? What, what, what's the point of letting them know Kershaw's going to come in after Bueller? Why wouldn't you hide the fact? I don't know. Maeda could come in. Kelly could come in. Who knows who could come in? The thing I found interesting, our friend, friend of the program, Mike Petriello, tweeted this out. Clayton Kershaw has pitched in 10 games on short rest in the postseason. Six of them were starts. Now, everyone says that Madison Bumgarner is the greatest pitcher in the history of October. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's done it. Whoa. Well, every Giants fan will tell you that. Whoa. He's done it twice in the postseason. Neither of them were starts. So Bumgarner. He's one of the best. I've never heard anyone say he's the best. 
So it was, it was the other day. So I October saw starter. I saw a lot of these tweets the other day too after Verlander. Whitey Ford, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax. Uh, there's a lot of guys on the phone, by the way, with that one. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of guys. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Schilling, everybody. I know everybody. I, I know we live in an area where um, if you're very conservative, you don't like the guy. Kurt Schilling's 11-2. and two. I don't even have it in front of me, and I can recite it to you. He's 11-2 and two all time in the postseason. It, it's just crazy because Raptor Verlander struggled. Everyone's like, oh, that's why I'm glad we have him. I'm glad that Madison, you know, we've had Madison Bumgarner. Blah, blah. It's like, well, Verlander's going to the Hall of Fame. I don't think Bumgarner's going to the Hall of Fame. But that that's crazy that everyone gets on Kershaw. He's pitched six, ten times on short rest where Bumgarner's only done it twice. And everyone says Paul Bumgarner you know, should be a Hall of Famer for what he's done in October. But we all want to crucify uh, Clayton Kershaw for how bad he's pitched in October. He has been very bad. But, I mean, his regular season numbers are incredible. Look, can I give you shillings? Kurt Schilling is a – you know, I'll put him up. And I like Madison Bumgarner. I just think there's a lot of people who don't – they don't watch baseball. They watch a certain team, but they don't watch the other league. They watch the National League – well, they mainly watch the National League West. But – and so I, 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 in no way, do I want to, do I want to take down what Madison Bumgarner has done in his career? It's fabulous, and he, I mean, what he did in Kansas City in 2014, no question. But Madison Bumgarner has the exact same amount of World Series championships as Kurt Schilling, and I don't think Madison Bumgarner is going to catch him in wins. But how about this? Madison Bumgarner is eight and three with a two point one one ERA in postseason play with a save. That's fabulous. And three championships. Kurt Schilling's eleven and two with a two point two three ERA. Eleven wins. And I want to say Madison got one win in the first one against uh Texas. Yeah, Kurt Schilling's been doing amazing stuff. So, so before anybody, and, and there's been a lot of great ones. You want to look at Bob Gibson's numbers? It's just when you throw that stuff out there just because you're a fanboy, you really need to think about the guys that have pitched in the history of this game. I mean, just bringing up Schilling, I mean, Schilling's truly amazing. Truly amazing what he, what, what he has done. And pitching. I mean, when you talk about doing it for the Red Sox, you talk about doing it for the D-backs in one of the greatest World Series of all time, you're not playing the Kansas City Royals. You're playing the New York Yankees. So everybody just slowed down on saying whoever is the greatest of all time because there's been a lot of greats. I just want to see because – when you think, I want to give you a Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson was a, a pretty filthy guy back in his day. One of the meanest of all time. Bob Gibson, as Mad Bum was 8-3, Bob Gibson 7-2 with a 1.89 ERA. And was the MVP in two World Series. Now, here's the thing. Bob Gibson only got to play in the World Series. Bob Gibson didn't get wild card. Bob Gibson didn't get an NLDS. 
Bob Gitson didn't get an NLDS. Playoffs, playoffs expanded in 69. His last World Series, 68. Bob Gibson, 7-2 with a 1.89 ERA. That's all in the World Series. I hate to be a fact checker, but I didn't realize. I, I don't hear that. Where, where do you hear that, Cody, that people say Mass is the greatest postseason pitcher of all time? I see a lot of Giants fans tweet it. I've seen, I've seen a on lot of Twitter. People, yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that are you know notable baseball names talk about how great Bumgarner was in the postseason. He was. You know, you know, also was great in the postseason. Andy Pettit, he had 19 career wins in the postseason. Now the ERA is a little high, but Andy Pettit also won five World Series. So hey, uh, Sandy Koufax, one, two, three, four World Series had a 0.95 ERA. 0.95. And he had like a complete game, game seven win on like two days. He didn't come out of the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> he pitched the entire game against a very good, a very good Minnesota twi- uh, Minnesota Twins team. People, you have to respect the sport because you look at the guys that played back then, guys who pit- guys that pitched then would definitely be able to pitch today. Because you know what we talk about all the time today? Don't have enough pitchers. We really don't have enough pitching. Well, these guys all threw hard, and they had big breaking balls, and they were nasty, and they were mean. So just settle. So if you're any of your friends are out there, you see anything on Twitter, you can just tell people you need to settle down. When you start trying to say, you know, greatest postseason pitch. I mean, Sandy Koufax was only, you know, a three-time World Series champion also with a zero. Can you imagine – what Sandy's numbers would be like if he uh, got to play in all these wild cards and NLDSs and NLCSs? Uh, I just looked it up for just for Ace for oh, everyone who's an Ace fan. Dave Stewart was ten and six in the postseason with a two seven seven ERA, and he won uh, three Ooh, World Series. That made me think of a guy. He's uh, he was pretty good in, in September and or, uh, in October. Uh, everyone knows how great Mario Rivera is, but he's a closer, so that doesn't count. Don't don't run his name out there. He's great as a closer, but he's not a starter, so. Oh, I forgot about this guy. Catfish Hunter won five rings. Let's see, where's Vita Blue? Vita Blue won three. I mean, you got guys that, I mean, we're not even talking about the chairman of the board. Look up Whitey Ford. I wonder Whitey, okay, I got to see. John Smoltz, 15 and 4, 267 ERA in the postseason. What was he? 15 and 4, the 267 ERA. Oh, he also had four saves because remember, he was a closer for a little while. Yeah. Somebody's better than that guy in the postseason? Seriously? Whitey Ford pitched an 11 World Series and had a 2.71 ERA. He had 22 starts. Now, think about that. Whitey Ford pitched an 11 World Series, started 22 games. There's no. AL wildcard game, ALDS, AL in it. If they had what these guys have today, their numbers would be the most insane ever. John, look, by the way, John Smoltz, Smoltzy. Friend of the program. Friend of the program. 15 and four with how many saves? Uh, four. Now, it's he played in so many, but if we're talking, you want to talk numbers, talk about the greatest, I, that's kind of tough to beat. Uh, Josh Beckett, your guy, seven and three with a 307 ERA. And uh, he pitched in 14 games in the postseason, 13 starts. 
You know, almost won. So he won in Florida. He won in Boston. He went two in Boston. He won. I don't even think they won won one in Boston. Yeah, he won one in Boston. Uh, They won the World Series in '06, right? Um, Yeah, so he did. He won one in Florida. One in so he's a two-time World Series champion. Oh yeah, pitched a complete game. Oh, and he he was a World Series MVP. And I and, and his game six against the Yankees. In that year with the uh, N90. That was 03. 03. That was a complete game shutout at Yankee Stadium. Old Yankee Stadium. Just say shutout on that. No, that's true. It's a shutout. <laughs> but think about it. When you talk about the greatness of the game, you've got to slow down. You've got to really do your research. That's all I'm saying. It's been a lot of great players put up a lot of great numbers, and they didn't get the pitch. In his mini game, it's it's like, what was the thing that they had? Jose Altuve has more. He has the most home runs ever hit by a second baseman in, in the postseason. He he has eleven. Chase Utley had ten. I mean, it's still pretty good. I mean, Jose Altuve. They're comparing him to Pete Rose right now. I mean, he's a really good player. Yes, he is. But he's but these guys get to play in way more games. So you just can't. I mean, I I take care. It's it, it's like it's like it's like when we say, hey, franchise history for home runs this year. Yeah, I mean, how many teams have done that? Eh. I mean, the Rays hit 217 in the in the regular season. They had 11 in the postseason. I mean, I love the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, but we've seen the rookie record, which was owned by Mark McGuire forever, basically broken and then broken again. Yeah, by Aaron Judge, who did it in 2017 when we had a lot of home runs hit that year. Yeah, that was the record number year. And then this year, because they're, they're, 2018 didn't break the home run record. So 2017 stood the home run record. That's the most home runs ever hit in baseball by everybody who played. And then uh, two years later, it's broken. And two years later is when Pete Alonso sets the mark. By the way, uh, Mariano Rivera in the postseason, 8-1, with a .70 ERA and 42 saves in October. That's pretty damn good. That is really good. But, again, he's a reliever. He didn't start any games. But still, to appear in 78 games and have a .70 ERA in your career in the postseason, there's a reason why he was a unanimous Hall of Famer. But Massimo is the greatest postseason pitcher of all time? I, I, that, hey, I didn't say that. I, I, he's, he's terrific, but I, he, he's the best of all. He's better than Mariano Rivera. I mean, I can clearly be biased and say Francisco Liriano is the greatest postseason pitcher ever because he won that wild card game for the Pirates. I mean, Mariano Rivera, you know, Madison's sitting on 119. It's 119 wins, 92 losses. The career ERA is 3.13. But it jumped this year to 3.90 at the age of 29. He's never won a Cy Young Award. He's got a long way to go if you're talking about a Hall of Famer. He's got a long way to go. Oh yeah, and he's what thirty? He'll be thirty pitching next season, and who knows? He'll be, maybe he'll be a brave next year. Who knows? A guy that a lot of people don't always talk about. What I just looked this up, the humorous. Uh, Oral Hershiser was pretty good. I mean, he has a scoreless inning. If he didn't streak. get if he didn't hurt the shoulder. And his career in the postseason, he's eight and three of the two fifty nine ERA, and he has a career save. He has one career save, which he which, did. Which, if you look at that, Cody. Now look at this. If you look at Oral Hershiser. You're looking at pitching in Cleveland at 36 years old, 37 years old, 38 years old, 
and then pitching for the Mets at 40. But if you look at his numbers, when he's an L.A. Dodger in his prime. They're really good. Two, so against the A's in 1988, he's the MVP. He's 2-0 and in that World Series. Two starts with a one ERA. Then he had a save in the NLCS against the Mets. Oral, Oral in his heyday was dope. He was absolutely incredible. You know what? When you're not a – how do I want to put this? When you're not a hardcore sports town, you can get away with saying stuff. Like, I'm not sure in certain areas in the country you can get away with saying stuff like, this guy's the greatest of all time because he's our guy and he won for us. Where other people will be able to come out and go – Bro, you need to check your facts. Look how quick that was. You just brought that up organically. And all of a sudden, look at the conversation. Look at the numbers. Look at the names. Look at the greatness we brought up. We're talking about dudes that have plaques in Cooperstown. Don't forget about greatness. I think Kurt Schilling's going to get in. I think Kurt Schilling... If Kurt Schilling had not gone full-on right wing. And, I, you know, and we'll ask Bob Melvin, because Bob Melvin was a part of that staff when they won the World Series in 01. Schilling was definitely a prickly guy from his days, whether it was Houston and Baltimore and Philly or whatever. What is this? I was, just hyped, I was trying to see who was the worst postseason pitch ever, but Men's Journal did their thing on – the most, uh, the best five pitchers in postseason play ever, and they have Bumgarner ranked number one. Men's Journal. Men's Journal. Who else do they have on there? Uh, Mario Mo is number two. Three is it's Andy Pettit. Four is John Smoltz, and five is Sandy Koufax. Wow. Uh, what's the difference between uh, four of them and the other guy? They're all starters, and one's a reliever. Well, Pettit's not in the Hall of Fame. Let's say two of them are Hall of Famers. Uh, well, no, Smoltz. Oh, Smoltz, yeah, so three. Three of them. Is Andy Pettit not going to get in the Hall of Fame because of PEDs? I mean, his numbers are pretty good. I was looking at him. I mean, we I looked at his postseason numbers, but he's what he did in Houston when him and Ro- when him and the Rocket went there. Remember how good they were? Oh, together? they were best buddies. Hit them too, and uh, Ro- remember they were best buddies. Him and Roy Oswalt. They were both 256 career wins, a 385 career. Uh, he's got the he, 60 WAR. He has a 60 WAR. Yeah, he's got the 60 WAR. Massive bump. So we talk about it. You're like your WAR. It's got to be you know 60. There's some guy. I mean, it's 60. Baumgartner's at 37.1. It's going to take him a long time. I mean, he may. he If he pitches a long time, I mean, he's durable. See, that's the thing about certain guys. You've got to be durable. So if you compare him to Clayton Kershaw, who's pitched a couple more years, uh, he's had 344 career starts. Bumgarner is 286. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's career war, 68. So almost it's 31 points higher than Madison Bumgarner. And Kershaw right now is 31. Baumgartner is going to be 30 uh, before the season starts next year, I believe. 
or he'll be or turn thirty during the season, and Kershaw will be thirty. Kurt Clayshaw, Kurt, Kurt, uh, Clayton Kershaw will have a plaque in Cooperstown. Oh, there's a, he's an MVP, a three-time Cy Young winner, an eight-time All-Star. He won the Triple Crown for pitchers. He's a he's won the ERA title five times, and he was uh, he won he's won a Gold Glove. So I mean, yeah, Bumgarner has the World Series and the World Series MVPs, but um, baseball's a team game. Last time I checked. So when you argue with me about World Series, no, it's not like basketball where a guy can carry you the entire time. My 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 the thing I think is funny. I'd rather have World Series in the Hall of Fame. Well, you're immortalized in the World Series. I mean, you're immortalized in Cooperstown forever. World Series rings, your family just has. Big difference. You, you're remembered for the rest of eternity when you make the Pro Football Hall of Fame or the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's how it works. Hall of Fame's a pretty big deal, people. Coming up next, we're getting him after a long bike ride. It's the Bob Melvin Show right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He's on. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Busy, busy hour here on A's Cast Live. We're going to have the skipper Bob Melvin for you. Kevin Franzen, former big leaguer, now does radio for the Philadelphia Phillies, and he's doing stuff for SiriusXM. He's going to come by at 2.30. It's very rare that you got 100-win teams hooking up against each other. This will be the fifth postseason series between 100-win teams in the last three, but there were zero between 1978 to 2016. A lot of super teams, but a lot of bad teams. It is now time for the Bob Melvin Show, brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. You go to nestbedding.com right now. Use the coupon code Oakland. You'll get 10% off your entire order. He's coming off a big bike ride with a clear head in a beautiful part of the country. How are you doing right now, Bob Melvin? (laughs) Yeah, you're privy to that, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, I'm doing all right. We, uh, you know, just trying to uh, decompress a little bit. It takes a while after the season. Uh, it almost feels like you have the flu for a few days, and, and after, you know, it was a tough loss, uh, it, it takes a couple of days to get back in the swing of things. So, uh, uh, yeah, I went for a little bike ride today. You know, I think about, you know, the season for, for someone like yourself as, as we all grind with it every single day. But for you guys and the players, it's all the traveling. It's the different hotels. It's the different time zones. It's the not seeing your wife, not seeing your daughter. So it, it is, there is, you got to decompress and kind of get away from it because you spend so much of your time, you're at the ballpark every single day. Talk about how that transition is like for you to go from regular season back into really regular life. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's extreme for eight months. You you commit to you know to to as close to twenty four seven 
uh, as you can get. Um, so once the season's over and it, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, you're not into your routine. Baseball is very routine oriented. Your whole day is routine oriented during the course of the season. And then, uh, you know, you're doing some different things. So your body has to acclimate, your mind has to acclimate, uh, and it takes a little while to get to that point. And I've been saying here on this show, Bob, because of your team winning 90, 97 games back-to-back years, knowing all the pitching you have coming back, knowing all the firepower you have coming back, I just got a feeling this is going to be a really quick off season, and we're going to be back in, in, in Mesa before you know it. Well, that typically that's the way it is. And, you know, that's that's the one thing that we, you know, when you get past a, a season that ends sooner than you like, it, you certainly, you know, look to the future. And, and I don't know that it, it can be much brighter than it's going to be hopefully in the next two years, uh, you know, barring injury. And that's that's something that affects all teams. But you look at some of the younger guys that came up at the end of the year, you look at some of the younger pitching that came up at the end of the year, uh, and it's all kind of coming together with the, with the veterans we have on our team and, and all of our top prospects kind of getting there at the same time. So we're really excited about the next couple of years. We think it could be fantastic. 97 wins back-to-back years is truly amazing. How hard is it to believe that 97 wins only gets you into a wild card game? Yeah, you know, you look at the you look at the National League, and it was a little bit of a different story. You know, you're uh, both all those teams actually played well toward the end, but uh, you know, there's some divisions we probably come away with uh, in the National League. But it's just the you know, the, it's where it is, where the American League is right now, and you have it seems like three or four teams have a chance to win 100 games, and then the other ones that are knocking on the door. Um, so it's just a difficult place to be as far as the postseason goes. And, uh, you know, one, you're, you're excited and lucky about getting into the postseason, but a one-gamer uh, can be tough. And I think back-to-back 97 wins, you know, you do it one year, and not a lot of people are picking the A's to do that again. How proud are you of your guys for two straight years to put up a number like that? Yeah, very proud. And, and you know, we felt like there was a lot left on the table this year. But, you know, that's why you come back and, and are excited about years past. Uh, years coming up um, but it, it is I mean 97 wins a lot of wins and and we did it differently this year too you know last year from from basically the seventh inning on we locked down every single game this year that was kind of a soft spot for us um, you know Chris Davis didn't have the year that he normally has and and you know some other guys pick him up so we win in different areas and that that's encouraging too that you can you kind of win in different ways uh, but to be able to put up back-to-back 97s uh, that's that's something that you reflect on a little bit later and be proud of. And and I think about a hallmark for your team, and it really is a hallmark right now for the St. Louis Cardinals as the Cardinals last year. They're the first team to stink it up so bad defensively and make the most errors, and then the next year come back and make the least amount of errors. I just think about what you guys do defensively and how well you've improved to become just just so strong in that category. Yeah, and that, you know, that plays every day. You know, there's certain days you aren't going to hit. There's certain days you aren't going to pitch. You, you run some, some defenders out there every day. That keep, It just feels like it keeps you in games uh, in, in a different fashion. And not only can we do it, you know, consistently across the board, we have some guys that do it at a sensational level. And, you know, that's always fun to watch. So it's, it's psychology-wise, you feel good about when you run a good defense out every day. You know that uh, you're not going to give up any mistakes. You're not going to give up many outs. 
And I think going into spring training next year, you're going to have so many guys that are coming back and going to be healthy. And then you have these guys that have truly shown that, that, that they can play on a regular basis. And I think of Mark Canna and what he's proven to you. What's it going to be like this offseason, like a mad professor trying to figure all this out in your brain? Because a lot of guys, you had guys get hurt, and you, guys, you had guys step in who showed you, hey, Skip, we can play. Yeah, it, it you know it, the great thing is that we have a lot of depth, and and who'd have thought that you know Stephen Piscotty would be down as long as he was this year, that Ramon Laureano would end up being out as long as he was out, and going to another position after that, which means you have to have some guys that can go in there and fill in, and you know Mark Cannon and Chad Pinder are really good at doing that, and you know to watch what Mark did this year and and picked up everybody that was hurt he picked up Steven and Wright when he was hurt he picked up Ramon in center when he was hurt he picked up KD in the DH spot played some first base and then the production was consistent the whole year so you know it may allow us to, to look a little differently at Ramon if you looked at Ramon's end of the season uh, his throwing arm really played in right field he got a lot more chances and uh, if we think that that's a better dynamic it's easy to park uh, Mark in center field. If not, again, we probably move him around. And Marcus Simeon, I know we talked about this all year long, but now we can talk about the entirety of the year. And a lot of people are saying they haven't seen a guy change this much ever in the game. And, and just to think the complete year that he put together, you know, someone like yourself who's been in this play, this game as a, as a player, as a manager, uh, you know, you've been a part of champion a championship. Just, just tell us the growth of the man, the person, the player that you've seen from your shortstop? Yeah, I mean, if you, you stand here right now and in, 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 in 16 or 17 forecast, forecast what he put together this year, I don't think anybody could have said they expected that. Um, maybe the only person is Marcus, and that probably a stretch too. So his numbers that he put up in the leadoff spot across the board offensively and defensively as good as anybody I've ever seen. They're, they're historic numbers. You know, from the on-base to the power to the RBIs to the consistency at shortstop to playing 162, uh, you know, as many uh, plate appearances he has, the durability, uh, I've never seen a guy do that in, in that spot. And, uh, you know, at some point in time, he's going to have to admit to himself that it was a pretty darn good year, uh, which is tough for him to do because he's always focused on what's next and how he can get better, but miraculous year. I could see him like Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice would win the Super Bowl, and like two, three days later, he's back at it working out. I could see like Marcus already working out again. Uh, I, I don't think he will take much time off. He's, he's kind of under the theory that if you don't get out of shape, you don't have to get in shape, and just kind of part of his routine. He'll be a dad here. He's got a couple of boys now. He'll be a dad here for a while, but won't be long before uh, they're trying to facilitate him over at Cal because that's where he likes to go work out, and uh, he maintains uh, quite the, the work ethic, and I don't think that's ever going to stop with him. So we're now hitting the off season. What does Bob Melvin like to do during the off season to get away from baseball? Uh, you know, it's uh, a little bit of everything. I like sports. Uh, you know, I like some of the watch some of the Bay Area sports, obviously, and and uh, Cal in particular. Uh, I like to bike ride a little bit. Hopefully, at some point in time when get my neck and back uh, figured out here. I'd like to start playing golf again, too, because uh, I really enjoyed golf for quite a while. So, um, it, you know, you, you go into the offseason, you think there's all this time to do all this stuff, and then it seems like time goes by and you haven't done as much as you wanted to. But, uh, you know, those are some of my hobbies. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I know we're going to get through football. The next year, I know you're a big Warriors fan. And then, you know, you got Sharks and Warriors and bang, we're back at spring training. Uh, we're going to be down. We're taking this show down to the winter meetings in San Diego. Are you going to be there? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I have to be at that. But that's a lot of fun, especially when it's on the West Coast and you don't have to travel, you know, three or four, four, four or five hours somewhere. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the time when you get to the winter meetings that after that, you know, Christmas comes and New Year's, next thing you know, you're look, looking forward to spring training again. So that, and that's a great venue to do it in San Diego. So we look forward to that. Still a ways away. All right, let's end on this. Is it really good to know that you really don't have to make any major changes with, 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 with your lineup, with your roster, maybe some tweaks, but nothing really major? No, that's that's a great place to be, and I think that's why we're we're so excited about you know the next couple of years. You know, really, the last couple of years were good too, but uh, coming coming forward now with the pitching, kind of catching up to kind of the position player end and guys that are from our system. That's really important. Um, there, there's a dynamic to that 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 you know, the sum is better than the parts uh, because of the fact these guys are all proud to be Oakland A's. They're finally at the big leagues now. They're playing together. We've been waiting a long time for these kind of these two groups to, to get together and mesh. So, yeah, you're, you're just kind of fine-tuning some things and, and see where you think you're, you're some of the soft spots are, but we don't have many. Well, Bob, I got to thank you for being with us all year long, and it's not easy because you got your schedule and all the different things you got to do and uh, make it out to us, whether it was out to the dugout or doing it in your office, but being consistent with us to help us grow this thing called A's Cast and A's Cast Live. We can't thank you enough. Have a great off season. We'll check in with you every so once in a while, but truly for me and Cody and everybody trying to build this thing, thank you. Well, it's, it's easy to do. You guys do a great job. I've been, you know, working with you guys, and it really doesn't even feel like work for some time. Uh, what you guys do in, in accelerating our brand and, and Oakland A's baseball, I think you saw everybody get on board with that this year. This is a terrific uh, dynamic and, and uh, product that you're, you're, that you're throwing out there, and, and it's easy to do, and you guys make it easy to do. So I appreciate uh, uh the time that I've spent with you guys, and who knows, I'm sure there'll be a few more of these here in the off season, and you know I'm available anytime. You're the best, Bob. Enjoy the off season. All right, guys. Thanks. The Bob Melvin Show brought to you by NestBetting.com. That's NestBetting.com. Love where you sleep. Right now, if you go to NestBetting.com and use the coupon code Oakland, you get 10% off of your order. Plus, there's three stores in the Bay Area. A lot to chew on right there from what Bob Melvin had to say, and we're going to do it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I want to tell you what I have in my hands right now. I have every ticket that the A's would have used on their World Series run. Except the wild card and the play-in game. Those are already gone. Yeah, I got World Series. Home game number one. Presented by YouTube TV. Home game number two. Home game number three. And home game number four. World Series ticket number one is green. 
World Series ticket number two was silver. World Series game number three was black. And World Series game four, World so it doesn't go, it doesn't say this is game one. It's just your first game, your first home game. Ticket prices were $260. Because uh, my seats are 125. What am I? 125, row seven, seat seven. So ALCS would have been 100. ALDS would have been 75. World Series 260. I might put these up here in my studio just to remind me this entire offseason, this is what it's about. And you can see, not easy to do. But that's the thing. I know the pain of this year. I know there's pain. As the skipper just said, it's like having the flu for a couple days. But you get over it. And the team is going to be loaded next year. There's no doubt about it. There, you start. We we start talking about it at the end of the year, and it kind of got you excited, and you had to kind of slow yourself down. This, this rotation, this offense. You know, last spring training we went into the, oh my God, how are you going to get the ball to the bullpen? This spring training, which will be different, it's going to be okay. Who are you going to get the ball to now in the bullpen? Who is it going to be? Who is the team back there that's going to get these outs, these so critical outs? Because that was that was the issue. You know, when you really start to look at the difference between the A's, when you have 30 blown saves, if you don't have 31 blown saves, I don't know if you catch the Astros at 107, but you would have made it a lot more interesting. There's no doubt about that. But when you start talking about, let's just Lazardo and Puck and Manaya and Manaya and Fires and Frankie Montas and Chris Bassett. And then you got all the guys kind of below them when you start thinking about the depth that you have. Where we've said that fight, you know, I'm worried Bassett, you know, because he's out of options. It's the same thing for Mingdon, too, right? Isn't Mingdon out of options? You still have Cotton and Gossett and Caprillion and Holmes. I mean, there's so many names out there. You're going to have a legit starting staff at the big league level. You're going to have a legit starting staff down at AAA for Fran Reardon and the Las Vegas Aviators. The A's have 12 players who are eligible for arbitration this offseason. Payroll uh, going up. So MLB MLB trade rumors had released their arbitration projections for every team. Here are the salaries that are expected. And the top one is as deserved as deserved can be. And it really is something that 
I'm happy to see. Because when you, once you make this salary and you're smart with your money, and he's already made a few million dollars, but you make this, Marcus Simeon projected for 13.5. If you want to save salary because salary's going up, what is the future of Trinan? What is the future of Profar? Liam Hendricks is a no-brainer at 5.5. Mark Canna, no-brainer at 4.9. Sean Manaya, no-brainer, 3.5. One that's not a no-brainer, Robbie Grossman. Projected a 3.3. I don't know if you need Robbie Grossman. Something that Bob said in that last interview, I thought, my ears perked up. Hey, do you see how good Ramon Laureano was out in right field throwing people out? Does that mean Canna could be, you know? Piscotti under contract. You could move Piscotti. Would you move Piscotti to left? And you have super utility guy, Chad Pender. So Robbie Grossman, 3.3. Maybe odd man out. Chris Bassett, only 2.8. Are you kidding me? I, I I do not let Chris Bassett go. And I know I'm a Chris Bassett fan. I do not allow him. I, I don't allow him to walk. He'll get picked up in two seconds. Chris Bassett stepped in and won 10 games this year and went to the bullpen. I mean, there's going to be a fight for the starting rotation. This was the first year. I mean, think about this. This is the first year he's felt... Healthy again. He went 10-5 and with a 3.81. I do not let that guy walk for that price. No way. I would stick him. Because you're going to need starters. That's the bottom line. I would stick him in the bullpen right out of the gate. If he doesn't doesn't win a spot in the five, I'm not losing him. Because someone will claim him. Josh Fegley at 2.2. Fegley and Murphy. I know ideally you want a left-handed hitter and a right-handed hitter. But Fegley at 2.2. Murphy had knee surgery again, by the way. Did you see that? Ooh, hate hearing that. Bookter at 1.8. Don't know. Chad Pender, 1.8. Steal. And then we'll see how they actually feel long-term about Jarrell Cotton. The one that stands large to me, it's Trinan. 7.8 to gamble that uh, he'll come back. He'll, he'll rebound from last year where he wasn't very good. He was historic one year, not very good the next. Do you make that gamble? Well, luckily, we don't make those decisions. Coming up next, Gabe Kapler. He's out. Phillies are looking for a new manager. And also we'll talk about the playoffs with former big leaguer and San Jose State, Kevin Franzen, right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live, broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Gabe Kapler is out in Philadelphia after two years. Not shocked by that at all. And it's a big job. Philly's no joke. They got money. They're trying to win. Signed Bryce Harper to the big-time deal. And they're sitting around, and they're seeing their competition. The guy they 
the guy they they won the prize of Bryce Harper, if you think about that. They won the prize, and yet the Nats are in the playoffs. The Nats win the wild card game. The Nats win the NLDS. And now the Nats are playing in the NLCS. And they didn't have to pay Bryce Harper. So it'll get it'll be interesting to get what's going on in Philadelphia from my man Kevin Franzen, who's one of the great San Jose State baseball players, went to Bellarmine, of course made it to the big leagues, and now calls games for the Philadelphia Phillies. Franny, how are you? What's up, buddy? Interesting things going on in the fighting city of Philadelphia. Were you surprised that Gabe Kapler wasn't wasn't re uh, wasn't brought back as manager of the Fighting Phils? Um, you know, to be honest with you, yes and no. Yes, on the part of frustrations by fans, frustrations by results on the field. Um, not that that's that's where the no surprise was. But the fact of the matter is, I was surprised on the fact that, you know, players loved them. Now, does it mean that, that when, when people love someone and like someone as a, as a coach, does it mean that they love all their styles, the, the way they manage, the X's and O's of the game? No. But the way he treated them, the way, you know, like just being able to be you. Like that's the main thing these days, right, is you need to be yourself. If you're yourself, I'm going to get the best version of you on the field. Gabe was very good at that. So – um, the players liked him a lot. Didn't mean that does not mean an endorse that they loved the way he managed things, but the way they treated him, where you spend most of your time in a clubhouse and around those atmospheres. I mean, the guy was awesome. Like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else. The guy is a great dude. Um, and, uh, for me, I just, I, I look at it, it's result oriented. And I feel like two Septembers in a row, they're terrible and, and you can't have that. Yeah, especially when you're going for it and you're spending that kind of money. And I try and tell our audience all the time, there's one thing managing down to the players and the coaches and in the organization, but then there's the managing up. You're managing up to the GM, to the president, to the owner. How good was he at managing up? Awesome. I mean, in, in all honesty, he, he relayed exactly what the, the front office wanted. And, you know, you go from – old school in um, Ruben Amaro Jr. to Matt Klintak, who's new school, new age, everything's going to be data-driven. He was, you know, innovative in that. And he was always available. He was always providing information. I think, like, Tony, you've been around these guys, like, in in general, especially with the age. And just look at how it's not like this is my way, this is how we're going to do it. It is a collaborative unit. Right. We could say that in so many different sports. We could stick in the Bay Area and say, that's what the Warriors do. The moment that it becomes oriented by one guy in the front office and, and the, the manager, or the head coach, whoever it may be, can't drop any ideas, can't bring in new ideas to the situation. then you have something wrong. Thing is that they worked well. Doesn't mean that everything on the field is going to go right. I mean, you, you talk about some bullpenning, you know, decisions made during the game. Is that, you know, Matt Klintak in the, in, in the front office? Is that Gabe Kapler? I, I just think there's a lot of stuff. It's being a first-time manager, number one. It's not an easy gig, especially in the bright lights of Philadelphia. Uh, and, and 
I mean, you could ask Bob Melvin. I'm sure the first time he went to manage, it wasn't the easiest thing, but he makes it look easy. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like it, it, there's so many things that we could say about, you know, X's and O's, but when it comes to front office and the way that, you know, they love Gabe, Gabe loved them, I, I think it, it went even higher than that. And I think even ownership, John Middleton liked the guy. It was just we need more, and we need more. We're going to put it all on the next guy. If you don't win, it's going to be very Washington National-like where, look, Dusty was unbelievable, 97 wins, 96 wins. He gets axed. Why? Because they couldn't get out of the first round. And, and is that right? I mean, I guess. You know, I mean, I, I guess. It, it's still on the players when it comes down to things. And the guy's got to perform. You know, the thing that you said, and I talk about all the time here on this show and on the postgame show all the time, is – you know, fans still want to live in the dark ages where they think that the manager makes all the decisions and he's the final word, and it's like it doesn't work that way. And everybody's applauded the Warriors for how they've done it with all the strategy. Steve Kerr's not making every decision. It doesn't. It, nope. it, it's a group effort, and for these front offices, it's easier to replace a manager than it is to replace a group of players. And, you know, all these man we've seen it now, Franny, year after year, all these different managers being thrown out because the super smart guys in the front office, they don't want to come down and admit fault. It's easier just to get rid of the manager. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and it's, you know, sometimes it's the reason why you can't get rid of, you know, the front office guys is they're implementing a lot of things throughout the entire organization, whether it's technology, which everyone says, oh, you could do that. Everyone could do that. Not everyone could do that. And to me, I, I, I see a situation with Gabe Kapler as this is where he started, right? He, got, he paved the path for the organization to get data-driven, to send the message from Matt Clentak and others and, and spread it all around. Now it's the next guys to embrace that and also move forward with it, right? You got to expand. We got to get something better. I always say, like, Farhan Zaidi was – is, I mean, we all know that. He's as brilliant as they come. He needed that one more, like, sort of guy for his elixir. And what was that? Bruce Bochy. Maybe, like, you can never quantify in a number-driven area, like, what a gut instinct is, right? But he was able to have a year's worth with that guy? Come on. That, that's invaluable to, to, to guys like that in this game. And I feel like more than anything, it's, it's easier to say it's on the next manager based on, you know, there's a lot more uh, infrastructure going on with those GMs, different GMs and everyone involved. It's so key now for the manager. We talk like, like Kevin Cash is a great example as he's got his analytic guy in uniform in the dugout. His nickname is Jay Money. And they all like him because they know we're trying to put you in the best situations to make you successful, which then makes you more money. And that, to me, is the real thing going on now in the game is getting players to buy in. Hey, we're going to make these decisions, whether you're going to play today or you're not, when you're going to hit, when you're not going to hit, when we're taking you out of a game as a pitcher, putting you in. It's all about putting you in the best possible situations so that you will succeed, and when you succeed, you will make more money. That is like the real key for the managers and the coaching staffs now to get across to to the players, and, and I, I'm sure you experienced that during your time as a player. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, they always want to put you in, in better. 
the best managers, the best head coaches, they want to put you in the best possible spot to succeed. You know, I always laugh because they, almost every manager has hitting matrixes and, and they have the, you know, this guy matches up perfectly against this guy. And it takes an, a little bit of account of pass. And I always laugh. I, I was like seven for 13, hit almost every ball hard off of Tim Hudson. And I look at, you know, the numbers when I was in Washington, we're going to face him that day. I'm thinking I'm going to be in the lineup. And I see the, 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 the card on the side and that hitting matrix, I'm last on the list because my, you know, he's a ground ball pitcher. I'm a ground ball hitter. It didn't take into account I, what I ranked the guy. It doesn't take into account the confidence and everything. So there, there is that like hit and miss part, right? So the J money guy, many other organizations have a guy that may be in the dugout and uniform and being able to explain it to me, the guy's got to be able, he can't be socially awkward because there's situations where players are going to get frustrated just in general and drop anything. And like some of those guys we know don't have the, the social skills in, involved. They're so super smart, but they're so dialed in to certain things that they can't like resolve that issue. Like, by the way, Oh yeah. See, I totally understand where you're coming from. I was like, no, dude, you're like this. You suck. Just let you know you, you're not playing. No, that Jay money guy, the reason why they like him, is because he can relate to players. He doesn't act like a player, but he can relate and not act like a coach, but be someone that is an authoritative figure in a in a very sociable way, if that makes sense. No, totally. You have to. Everything's a, it, it, you're dealing with human beings. I mean, this isn't Amazon. No uh, we're, we're dealing with humans. You have to be able to relate. And I think about. You know, you see this all the time in professional sports. You'll have a guy that acts one way. You fire that guy. You now want to go get the complete opposite of that guy. So if that holds true, you had Gabe Kaplan who came in. He had been with the Dodgers. He knows analytics. He's young. He was a former player. Uh, you know, probably the most in shape guy, maybe more than his own players. But now do you, like – go the complete opposite and now go for a more veteran guy? Uh, see, I, I don't know how you are in, in this whole thing. So Brian Snicker to me is like the, the ideal like guy, right? He was in the organization for a long time with the Braves, but it's how he surrounded himself. And you look at like Ron Washington, Eric Young Jr. Or senior, sorry, uh, Walt Weiss. You, you have all these former players that are there or guys that have been around. Surround himself with experience. The next guy needs to surround himself with experience. And I think that is a very uh, – there needs to be more teachers. The more more we get into this whole thing, I'm sorry. Like, I I disagree with those that think that you can just learn at the big league level as far as being a coach. Whoever comes in next needs to bring in experience with him. And it doesn't mean you have to play in the big leagues. But it means you've been in the minor leagues a while, you know, to to experience and know – this is the grind. This is how to teach. This is how to, you know, go back and forth. Do I think they go, you know, completely old school or an older name? Absolutely. hundred percent. You're not going to take away a guy like Dave Kapler for someone younger and someone that doesn't have any experience. You know, you, you look at Amy McPhail, you look at Matt Klintak, where they've been in the past. And McPhail's obviously been with the Twins, the Cubs, the Orioles. And then, you know, now with the Philadelphia Phillies, Matt Klintak with uh, the Angels, and then and then you have the Orioles. So there's that, you know, two two names right there in Baltimore Orioles. You have Buck Showalter. He's going to be involved in number one. Number one for me, and, and I've I've you know made this known out in Philadelphia is Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker needs to be the number one guy on anyone's list. I still think you know you could draw a lot of you know things about him and Bryce. How you know he loved Bryce. Bryce and him got along well. Uh, moving forward, you know. 
be able to talk to a guy like Reese Hoskins, you know, get in his ear and just help him out because we saw a big struggle from Reese that wasn't good, you know, in, in, in Philadelphia. So for me, my number one would be Dusty Baker. And I don't know how you are on that, but I, I mean, number one, I think in anyone's mind would be like a guy like Bob Melvin would be awesome. Hey, we want to, you know, send him over our way. Stay awesome. away from but, my guy. Hey, <laughs> stay no, away. Saying, like just, just, oh, he's, he's fine. He's, he's put himself in the most perfect spot ever. And, and for me, I, I, I look at Dusty, I look at Buck Showalter and, and I'm not sold completely on Buck. Um, I don't know him enough, but he's been involved in, in some big markets. But I, but I look at Dusty and I have, you know, number, you know, number of things of chasing the ring. And number two, they're, they're, they're the team that pissed him off quite a bit, right, in, in letting him go. And they're in that division. They're chasing him. Why not have that hunger? Why not have that fight? You know, and, and you see that within your manager. Uh, I, I was talking about it on MLB Network Radio today. The, the thing I would do is I would, I would hire Dusty. I would hire Mickey Calloway. Now you got two teams that they have personal vendettas against. Let's get going here, right? Let's start this thing. Let's get things fired up in that clubhouse, and, and let's go. You know, you mentioned a big market. This was your first year really officially doing the, the, the radio broadcast. You had been doing it, but now you got the big-time job. What was that like for you? Philly's no joke. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. You know what the best part is? is Scott Fransky, the play-by-play guy, uh, it, he just tees everything up for you. And, and I had a blast. I didn't realize that you take home wins or wins and losses. You take home losses more than you do wins, I think, uh, based on the fact that you, you want these guys to win. I mean, not your job's not on the line for it, but the whole thing is, is like, I, I, you get a relationship with the guys. You know, you're around them all the time. You see how much work and effort they put in. And I never realized that you did. Like, you did feel that way. And so, like, a loss does hurt. Not all losses. Some of you just get blown away. You're like, all right, whatever. But the, the, the heartbreakers, those last, and it's like, oh, man, I missed that. Uh, you know, you, you, I'm not taking home a win or a loss, but at the, at the end of the day, I want to call winning baseball. And I got a great experience. It was phenomenal. The, the fans were, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I would say like 95% positive on them. The 5%, you know, just miss uh, Larry Anderson when he wasn't on there. I was too up for a lot of them. I, I can't be too positive, I guess. Uh, but I got to do about, you know, 9 to 12 innings of play-by-play at the end of the year and uh, realized real quick how fast the game is doing it that way. And, I mean, it was the most invaluable experience. It was one that just solidified what I'm doing, um, you know, as far as in my mind. Now, when it comes to the Philadelphia market, I'll let the, those people answer it for you. But uh, I had a blast. I know I texted you multiple times telling you that, you know, this is, this is awesome. Yeah, well, we're proud of you, of course. And uh, let's get into some postseason here. As Glass now, uh, you know, the whole thing about tipping his pitches. But, Franny, here's the thing. Houston last week. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Houston's been Houston's Houston at home has been doing some funny stuff for the past couple of years now, yeah. and quite a few teams have called them on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can say whatever you want on that. Last now, I mean, it, like it was the other day in in Houston, and I've said this, okay. So, and you and I've talked about this. I've told you, you know, how much I would watch video and and all that stuff. So. I, I think the narrative behind the tipping is, is one thing. Uh, does it mean that they're having all the success? No, number one is the Houston Astros hitters are really good. That's number one. Number two, you're a two-pitch pitcher, and you're going to tell me exactly what's coming. 
that's putting the percentages in my favor, all right? So you can have all the data and everything you want. Now I know it's coming. The other part that, you know, people are like, oh, it's only this. No, you still have to execute. And then one thing that GlassNow did was early on, 98, 99, 100, down the middle. His, the 86-mile-an-hour curveball to Alex Bregman was up and away. It wasn't down in the zone. It was up. So he left pitches up. Now, he claims, and they claim that he, you know, was uh, – they, they fixed it. He did. They did. I'm sorry. They did. I watched, and I'm calling out pitches because that's what I do. I mean, it's just – it's stupid. My wife hates it. She, she's like, I want to watch the game. I'm like, I'm telling you the pitches is coming. And she goes, okay, great. And, and my mom, you know, came by, dropped my daughter off, and I'm telling her, oh, okay, here's fastball. She's like, what are you doing? Well, there's, I mean, that's part of the thing. So the other part I have is picking up pitches, right? You know what that does? That locks you in. That locks you in. Whether you got them or not, you're dialed in. As a teammate, you're helping out. You're trying to do – it makes it interactive. You know, you're trying to get, you know, guys that do want to know. You're trying to help out. Because that's all that matters is trying to win a ball game. Well, that's throughout the season. And, and you know, we saw it with Strasburg. Strasburg's doing it bad. I'm not going to tell you how, but I will say this. Watch the first inning. Watch all their takes on, on, on what? On the curveball. He had it. And what did Co- Cody Bellinger? He had two stolen bases in that game. What did he steal on? Both curveballs. That's coming from Dino Ebel. Where did Dino, Dino come from? Anaheim. Anaheim, we ran all the time. Even I did. And, and, and they would, he would stand right in between the pitcher and third base, and he would lean one way. If you lean that way, you just took off because he had something. And, and, and for me, that was a telltale sign. Uh, the playoffs are – we could always say, you know, the Houston Astros – the Houston Astros are legit. They're ridiculous. And, and so I'm, I'm going to sit there and say it was more talent than it was, you know, some other, you know, other thing going on at that, at, you know, that stadium. Uh, I want to believe that. That's what I really want to believe. Yeah, because bottom line, some Garrett Cole last night could have been yelling at you fastball, and you still might oh God, not, you're not hit. Touching it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you're not touching it. It, it is Wasn't what that it is. Special? It's incredible. That special. It's. I mean, just to see someone dial it up, and and not only that, like just the execution of pitches, right? You could talk about a guy can miss with stuff. He can miss with stuff, but he wasn't missing. I mean, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Is like you look at the you know baseball savant or whatever, and you can see the. Uh, uh, the, the pitch tracks or whatever, and you see the dots and the spray chart on it. And it's like the middle is free. There's rarely a ball over the middle of the plate. And that's, I mean, you're, you're doing that with the most elite stuff in the game. Come on. I mean, he is, uh, I, I, I can't say enough about that guy. Cause I feel like, you know, is, is it just the Astros and, and doing something there with the data and all that stuff, or is it something else? Is it that, you know, that, that inner belief in himself and that, friendly competition he's having with the guy ahead of him and Justin Verlander. Verlander is great. We all know that, but he gets to feed off that. And I think that is a huge thing. That's like Strasburg. Why Strasburg continues to get better and better each year? It's because everyone else is talking about Max Scherzer and he's, I'm not saying he's going to like, look at me, but there's that inner, you know, that inner competition he's having and he wants to win and he wants to be better. He wants to be talked about. In his mind, not about, I'm not talking about like the look at me moments, but I think he just, you know, like internally he's going, hey, don't forget about me. And I think that's a part of it. So I, I look at a guy like Garrett Cole going, like this guy feeds off the moment, but he also feeds off the guy that goes in front of him and, and, and usually for the most part is set the tone in Justin Verlander. So you literally live like three minutes from me and you can't come to the A's cast live studio? 
Well, no, I mean, I, I got texted by your producer. I didn't even get texted by you. Uh, my producer, my producer went to your old producer to get your name. Didn't even ask me. Oh, it's so funny. It's so good. He big league both so of us. I know. Hey, what do you got tomorrow on the all whites? Uh, and I'm talking about the Spartans in Nevada. I will be I will be in Reno with your former uh, coach Dean Matson tomorrow. Oh, Dean the Dream. That's what I'm talking about. But we'll be in the casino gambling on football all day long, uh, hoping that our San Jose State Spartans can bring it home against the Wolf Pack of Nevada. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Hey, but uh, just on another note, just from you know, the outsider's perspective, you guys get it all the time, but just from being on the East Coast and Philadelphia and understanding certain things, the A's were talked about more than anything. And, like, just the round and just everyone and, and the vibe that the A's have created is, is pretty incredible. You, you think that the news outlets and, and all that stuff would talk about it more, but it, it was talked about quite a bit. And it's kind of fun when you're from here and, and you're listening to all this stuff and you're like, damn, the, the, the amount of talent that these guys have, that they're – uh, continuing to produce and, and hoping that, you know, Billy and, and, and you know, Forrester are able to uh, keep these guys. Well, I'll tell you what, they're stacked for next year. They're even going to be better next year. Oh, Puck, are you kidding? I called, I told you, I called his first uh, A-ball game in Stockton. And I, or they were in San Jose, and I was like, what is this? Like, this can't be here in A-ball. That's not right. Like, that dude's special. And I feel like, you know, the A's fans got to see a little bit of it this year. Oh, good God. Wait for next year. Lizardo got all the talk at the end, but I'm sorry. Those two, and then you mixed in uh, Montaz, Montez and then, how do you say it? Montaz? Montaz. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. They got, they got everything. It's awesome. Hey, with all, that, Bay Area. With, with all that money you're making, now you can, you, you can buy at a Hoppus Brewery. Uh, I'm. I mean, you better get me in the next month because we out. We're going to New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, you're moving? Yeah, yeah. You sold the house? Yeah. And you're we go- did. you're going there full time? We are. We are. Uh, the Phillies have you know made it known that they would like me to be around more often and and uh, full time. So that's what we're going to do. So I'm gonna have to beat up that credit card before you leave. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to tell you, to watch you grow as a broadcaster from what you did at KMBR to, to where you are now with Philly, and I know a lot of us San Jose State Spartans are proud of you. Keep doing it, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Go Spartans. I appreciate it, buddy. Kevin Franzen right here on A's Cast Live. I didn't know that. I didn't know he's moving. Moving back to Philly. That's something they talked about. Yeah, they love him back there. You know, he, you know he's complimentary to? Jeff Blum. You know, Jeff Blum wasn't the greatest player. Jeff Blum just has this hard nose, played the game right, good guy, good interview, would go out and talk to schools and do all that. Astros fans love him. And and his biggest star is Blummer hitting the, the World Series home run for the White Sox. He's a World Series hero for the Chicago White Sox. But they love him in Houston. Well, Franny, they love them in Philly. It's a good gig, too. I mean, when you're talking, like, baseball, like, not saying our gig's out here, but they live and die with their team. 
I mean, they've got they've got big cable deals. They've got big radio deals. They got you know, you should see the complexes that they have there for whether it's the arena or it's the ballpark or it's the football stadium. Philly's legit. You know, you're right next to New York. It's when you're when you're working in the Northeast, and like he says, and you start to do stuff for SiriusXM, which is out of New York. It's big league. They're not doing what we're doing, as we're making history right here on A's Cast Live. There's no question about it. All righty. We got coming up here at the top of the hour. What do we got? I forgot. Oh. Swishalicious. Nick Swisher, former athletic, former Ohio State Buckeye, former New York Yankee. You've got to be excited, right? Yes, you want the A's in there. They're not in there. But, you know, it's now about matchups. The National League matchup today, starting at, I believe, why it's hot at 5.08. I'm uh, I'm going to be on a flight to Reno. I'll get to watch, like, a couple hours. By the way, we'll be, if you want to come up, be at the El Dorado, the Silver Legacy. If you're not doing anything this weekend, we're going to be up there with some of my boys, playing a little football, a little baseball in the old casino. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be up there tonight. I mean, the flight's like 35 minutes from San Jose. It's so stupid. It's like, whoop, boom, you're done. Uh, so I'll be there all weekend having a good time because the Raiders are off. The greatness that is the Raiders with the bye week. You, we may see you at the uh, old Sharkies game on Sunday. Marlowe's returned. Two goals last night and the Sharks' first win of the year. I couldn't believe he had two goals. Patty, Patty Marlowe is the key to the shark success. Buying, Buying yourself. No, Jesus. That'll be interesting to see. Can I pull off going from the airport to the shark tank without my wife knowing? I think it can be done. Because you got to think, after you spend a guy's weekend, if you then say, oh, yeah, I'm meeting Cody and Amelia at the shark tank, that it would be like, Oh, really? By the way, her cat's name, incredible. Catrick Harlow. Catrick uh, Marlowe. Catrick Marlowe. That was really, when she told us that, I, said, my mouth, I think my jaw dropped to the floor. The great Amelia Schimmel, who is the key to our success down in San Diego at the winter meetings. As she does a great job for the A's. She used to work MLB Network and knows everybody. Coming up next, this guy was a terrific A. He's a terrific analyst. Let's break down a little Yankees-Astros with Nick Swisher. Did we do top 100 or top 50 A's? I thought it was top 50 because I remember Vote being in there and Doolittle. It was two years ago. We've done so many things that they do so many. I think it was top 50 A's. No, I think top one because Fossey's a top 50 Indian, but a top 50 let me look it up here. Athletics. Does anybody remember? Text me. I remember we had a bunch of them on. All time. No. Is it top 50 or top 100? Oh, top 50. You're right, Commander Cody. Top. He's a top. Nick Swisher is a top 50 all-time Oakland athletic, and he'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. <laughs> This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it! 
And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. Don't forget, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we do A's Cast Live from 1 to 4, and then we replay the same show from 4 to 7. Obviously, it is a new crowd getting off work for afternoon drive, so we give you from 1 to 7 to take in all these great guests. It's what we do. We had the Bob Melvin show on today. Had Kevin Franzen, former big leaguer. San Jose State, great. Now doing radio for the Phillies. Don't forget, our old friend Johnny Gomes is going to join us coming up here at 3.30. As Johnny is in post-career doing coaching, and Johnny is also doing some broadcasting. Well, our next guest needs no introduction to the A's crowd. He's a former athletic. He's a top 50A all-time. He's a World Series champion. He's an all-star. And now he's a TV star. Nick Swisher joins us once again here for a little time with the A's. How you doing, Swish? Oh, bro, that intro was phenomenal. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm doing great. You know what, last time we saw you was at the event where you were top 50, and I, I remember you were ear-to-ear when I was interviewing you. I know it meant a lot to you. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, let's be honest, man. Oaktown was the place that I came up, gave me my first shot. Always had a, always have a lot of love for Oakland, baby. Always. And I think about this series coming up because you also are an advisor for the New York Yankees, you know. Want to see the Astros get past the Rays because you want to see that heavyweight fight. You want to see the two best teams in the American League. I mean, this is just going to be a bloodbath starting on Saturday. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, I tell you what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the Oakland A's beat the Rays in that one-game playoff because I think the Oakland A's could have given the Houston Astros everything that they wanted. Uh, I think right now if you look back at the, the season that we just saw, I mean, we could have kind of told you this was going to happen in April. I mean, the top three teams in baseball at the start of the season, in my mind, were Houston Astros, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. So right now, to be able to have the matchup with the Astros and the Yankees, ALCS, right now, this could be the World Series. Absolutely. You know, it's hard for me, and I keep saying this to everybody, and I want you to think back to your playing days where – You've got teams. You got a team that won 106 games, they're out. You got a team that won 101 games, they're out. You got the A's who won 97, they're out. The Rays, 96, they're out. The Braves, 97, they're out. It's crazy the amount of wins it took just to get into the postseason this year. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, look at the product that these teams are putting out on the field, regardless of payroll for the Oakland A's to win 97 games, for the Rays to win 90-some games, I mean, that's almost unheard of. To be able to get that much back on your initial investment is absolutely tremendous. But let's be honest, man. I mean, guys like Billy Bean, he's been doing this for years, bro. 2002, when Moneyball came out, this guy knew what he was going to do ahead of everything else. The one thing that Billy always does say, though, that, hey, 
my philosophy and the way I do things doesn't always work in the postseason. I think for Oakland, man, the seasons that they've had over the past five, six years have been tremendous, man. There's just so much upside, and there's so many great players that are coming through Oakland. The only problem is, is once you make a name for yourself in Oakland, that's usually when you move on, whether that's to sign a bigger contract or that's whether to get traded in for new prospects. I mean, that's how Oakland kind of continues to keep everything rolling right now. I think just in general, man, we've got such a great game going on right now. We've got so many great athletes, so many great teams. For me, it's so much fun watching, especially on the outside now. Because when you retire, man, your life completely changes. And as an athlete, everything is kind of about you. you got to make sure you wake up. got to make sure you have your breakfast at the same time, your lunch at the same time. Well, now that I'm on the TV side, I'm having so much fun pumping up these players that we have in today's game. Because in my mind, we got the greatest game going right now. So the thing that what you talked about with the A's and what they're trying to change is Chris Davis just signed an extension. I do believe there's a chance Matt Chapman will sign an extension here in the offseason where they're trying to get a new ballpark. That is really the change now from your era is now it's all about staying in Oakland. It's all about building around the players and keeping the players. And I think for you, that's got to sound refreshing. Oh, my gosh, it sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, listen, everybody wants to be Cal Ripken. Everybody wants to play for one team their entire career. At least I know I did. And coming up with the Oakland A's with the fan base and just the overall just connection that I had with the city and the organization and the fans, I thought I was going to have the ability to do that. Obviously, leaving and going to the Chicago White Sox, getting traded over in 2007, getting ready for the 2008 season was heartbreaking for me because that was the team that I thought that, hey, man, we're such a young group of guys, man. We've got such a great camaraderie. And I think that's carried over till till now. Come September in the second half of the season, teams like the Oakland A's, the, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, nobody wants to play those guys in the second half because things start to click, right? Those young players come up. They start to do their thing because when you're in an organization that, you know, promotes success, if you have success, you move up the ladder. That's awesome, especially for young players, because you know if you play well, you're going to get an opportunity to play in the big leagues. I think that's tremendous. As soon as they can get themselves a new stadium, I think that's when a lot of things are going to change. But then again, bro, they've been talking about getting a new stadium when I was there. So I'm not quite sure exactly how that's going to work out, but I definitely have my fingers crossed for it too. You know, and, and I think about this upcoming year, and I've already been mentioning this on the show, you know, when, when, when you have Houston win 107 games, you can't get out to a slow start. And the good thing about the A's, and we had the Bob Melvin show, kind of the wrap-up show final for the year, you know, they're not going to have a whole lot of roster adjustments. They pretty much got what they have, and they're going to be ready to rock. So the key for the A's is to have a full season, not something where you get hot in May, not something where you get hot in June, where you stay steady from game one to 162. Because, Swish, you're going to win your division now in the American League. you got to win well over 100 games. Oh, yeah, man. I remember back in the day, you felt like if you won 89 to 92 games, you were going to win the division. But that's not quite the case anymore. You brought up a name, Bob Melvin. I mean, let's be honest. How lucky is Oakland to have somebody like that? Just his overall swag, his overall connection with the cities, with the players, the way that he goes about his business each and every day. I mean, let's be honest. This guy has the chance to be the manager of the year each and every year. If you don't have somebody like that leading your organization, the Oakland A's aren't nearly where they should be, in my opinion. 
Bob Melvin, one of the best in the game, and you guys should be so blessed to have somebody like that. So the ALCS will start tomorrow in Houston. Handicapped is you're, you're working around this game, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm in the car on the way to the airport right now, getting ready to catch an 8.30 flight out to H-Town. I mean, it's going to be great, man. You know that atmosphere there. When things get going in, in, in Houston and they close the dome, that place can get rocking. So I think for me, man, just to be able to go back and experience that just adrenaline and that just excitement around the game, those are the things that I'm most excited about. How do you handicap the series? Well, I think a lot of things happen good. You know, I think for the Yankees, obviously going in and sweeping the series, you know, that can either do one of two things. That can either give your guys time, a little bit time to rest, or it can kind of get their timing off a little bit. I think the one great thing the Yankees do have going for them is that the Rays played the Astros tough and made Justin Verlander throw another 100 pitches, made Garrett Cole come back for game five and throw another 100 pitches. And obviously, if you're not starting off with that routine game one starter in Justin Verlander, you're throwing it over to Zach Greinke. And let's be honest, man. I mean, after facing two flamethrowers like Verlander and Garrett Cole, when you can get in the batter's box to face a surgeon like Zach Greinke, I mean, I'm breaking my ankles trying to get in the batter's box because I at least can see the baseball coming in. You know, so I think right now with where everything is, there's not a lot of holes in these lineups right here. Obviously, everybody's talked about starting pitching for the New York Yankees. I don't think anybody's talked about any holes the Houston Astros have. One through nine, they bring thunder just as well the Yankees do, too. So, like you said, man, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to be a heavyweight fight. And in my mind, this thing is going seven. You know, when I think about the Astros, and we got we get to see them so much taking on the A's, you know where they're so tough? Everybody's hitting home runs right now. With this baseball, everybody's hitting home runs. The thing that's so uh, tough about the Houston Astros is they make contact, they don't strike out, and they make a lot of quality contact. So many people talk about home runs, especially with the Yankees, but, man, the Astros put the ball in play, and you know as a defensive player, that's not easy to deal with. Oh, bro, not at all. I mean, let's be honest. If I was a pitcher in today's game, I would much rather face a home run hitter than a, than, than a bat-on-ball type of guy. I think the one thing, you know, like you said, the Houston Astros do such a tremendous job first in baseball, bat-to-ball. And then this offseason, you go pick up one of the best bat-to-ball players in the game in Michael Brantley. It just kind of seems like they just add to their roster each and every year. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Garrett Cole this year. Obviously, there's a lot of talk of him going to Anaheim this year. I mean, you know, I heard Dan Plesak on MLB talking about how he thinks that he could be the first $40 million a year player. And in my mind right now, Garrett Cole can come over to an organization, change it around in a heartbeat. Because that kid has confidence, he's got swagger, and he's got a right arm that people would kill to have. And he may be the first guy that we've seen in a while, Swish, where he's a big-name free agent and all the big-time teams with money may be coming after him. It's been a while since we've seen a guy like this. Oh, yeah, and I think that's where, I think that's where you're starting to hear things like 35 to $40 million a year. Bro, can you believe that? We're at an age now where a baseball player is going to make $40 million in a year. That's unbelievable. But at the end of the day, there's only one Garrett Cole, 20-5 and five on the season. I think he's 18-0 and 0 in his last 20-some starts. I mean, that's almost unheard of. That's like Pedro Martinez-type numbers. And obviously the way he's pitching in the postseason is only going to add to his pocket. He's had a tremendous season. And whoever ends up getting him, whether it's the Anaheim Angels or it's the Houston Astros or, 
you know, the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees or all those big teams, whoever ends up getting this kid is going to hit the jackpot in my mind. Let's end on this. You're around the Yankees, and normally when you're around the Yankees, it's tough to win manager of the year because you're the Yankees. You got all the talent. You got all the money. But Aaron Boone, the job he has done this year with all of the injuries, just talk about the season that he has had. He learned from last year, and, boy, what a great job he did as a skipper of the Yankees this season. Oh, I mean, let's be honest. This guy takes over the helm after Joe Girardi, who had a magical uh, career in New York as a manager. First two seasons of his career, back-to-back 100-win seasons? I mean, bro, that's almost unheard of. Brian Cashman gave him to the keys of the Ferrari, and you know what he did? He somehow added some horsepower to that Ferrari. He somehow shined it up a little more. He added some rims, right? I think when the thing that I've learned most about Aaron Boone and from being around him that I enjoy the most about it is just his overall demeanor, the way he carries himself. For myself, obviously, I want to manage here at some point in my life, and I'll take a lot of things from his book. The way he handles his players, the way he handles his me- the media. I mean, he just understands exactly who he is and what he needs to do. I think Brian Cashman made a tremendous selection when they picked him up, man. He understands the Yankee way. He played for the Yankees. He had success for the Yankees. And now he's having success as a Yankee skipper, man. I think for New York, you know, the New York Yankee universe, they could not be more blessed to have somebody like that. He understands what they need to do, and he goes out. He provides that excitement for his players, but he also can provide that hug if they need it to. And last time I checked, those Ohio State Buckeyes are no joke either. Oh, bro, we ain't messing around, baby. Justin Fields doing his thing right now, man. Who would have thought that kid would have came on and been as tremendous as he has? I mean, for me, man, I'm loving it. I got my Yankees going on. My Oakland A's were in the playoffs. My Ohio State Buckeyes are doing it so far in football this year. I'm telling you, man, it's been a good year for me so far. (laughs) What year hasn't been a good year for you? Bro, I don't know, man. They've all been pretty good in my mind. (laughs) They've all been pretty good in my mind. I tell you what, man, it's just. I just feel so blessed, man. I've been so fortunate to play for some unbelievable organizations. Obviously, Oakland being the one that I first started off with now. And to be able to do what I'm doing now, man, I'm just loving life, man. Just trying to enjoy every second of it. Because you never know when your last one's going to be. This game is one of the greatest games in the world. And it is dug and built into my chest, man. And each and every year it continues to grow and grow. So I'm just super stoked to be talking to you. Especially talking about a game that I love. Because it's so easy to do this stuff. All right, Swish, we'll be watching you tomorrow night on television. Be well. You got it, baby. Oh, game four, throwing out the first pitch, too, bro. Check it out. Are you really? (laughs) Yes, sir. What an honor. I could not be. I'm so nervous. I am absolutely super, probably one of the more nerve-wracking moments of my life, but I cannot wait for it. You have to stand on the rubber. Oh, man, do I? I'm so nervous. I was thinking maybe I could stand in front of the mound. But now that you say it, bro, I'm going back to the rubber. I'm going to tow the rubber, my man. you got to tow the slab and make sure you throw a strike. Oh, bro, no pressure, right? No pressure at all. Hey, have a safe flight. All right, my friend. Thank you, my man. You guys take care, bro. See you, Swish. It's real. I mean, that's real. That's That's who this guy is. Every day. Every day. Ready to rock. Love that guy. He's the kind of guy you talk to every day. Coming up next, something on the Rays. I have a whole lot of respect. But what they did this year, I don't know if you'll ever see it again. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. 
Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. So there, there are some things that are changing. That the Rays really benefited from. And they may not need it next year. But if you have no idea, after they lost this, and I mean, you you got to applaud what they did. They took Houston to uh, to, to five. I want to say seven. Took them to five. Lowest payroll in the game. But how about this? And it's just not sustainable. The Rays, their bullpen ate up seven hundred and seventy-two innings while their starters only ate up 702 and two-thirds innings. I mean, you just can't have your bullpen pitch that much. It worked this year, but like we saw with the A's from last year to this year, bullpens are unpredictable. 772 to 702 and two-thirds the Rays bullpen record was 56 and 31 while the starters were only 40 and 35, but they had to do it. That was the thing. They had to do it because they had injuries. And they didn't have faith in young guys. But there's rule changes coming down. First of all, I don't know if they outlast the Indians if they're not allowed to call up a bazillion guys in September. They used a lot of different guys in September because their regular relievers were worn out. That's going away. Here's another thing that they've mastered the last couple of years. The 10-day, you call it the DL, but we have to call it the IL. They were great at sending guys down, shuffling guys back and forth, shuffling guys back and forth, because now they only have to be down there for 10 days. So once you, you get a group that's gassed, you send them down, bring another group up because they did have depth, but they only have to sit down there for 10 days. And maybe there might be a day off or two in there, so then you don't miss guys. Well, we may be going back to the 15-day IL. That would change that. Here's another thing with using a boatload of relievers. If they do the change of you've got to face at least three guys. Those three things make me believe that what they did this year, this style, is going to be hard to repeat. If your reliever has to face three guys, you can't make up injury now and go hide a guy in AAA and bring another fresh guy up and keep doing that back and forth, back and forth, back. I don't even know where their AAA is. Do you know where their AAA is? The Rays? Commander? Yeah, it's Durham. Same like the, the from um, the Durham Bulls. Durham Bulls. So you can't keep floating guys back and forth. It's easier to do that with ten to fifteen days. And then if guys got to face at least three guys, but how about that? Their relievers fifty six and thirty one. Their starters forty and thirty five. You got sixteen more wins by your starters, but your bullpen. I mean, how many teams in the history of baseball made the playoffs where their bullpen threw way more innings than their starters? It's just not a, It's just not something that's going to happen. 
I don't know if you can consistently do that. And I know Commander's looking up the Brewers because the Brewers have kind of been the same way. The last two years, the Brewers have had the best ERA in September because they've called up a, a, a ton of guys. Because you pitch your relievers to, to September, then you bring up a bunch of guys, and you kind of give those guys a little bit of a rest. It's not going to be allowed anymore. Those days are gone. So winning with ultimate, just throw as many arms out there as you can, bullpen-wise, and getting to 96 wins, I don't know if you'll ever see that again. Well, depending on how rule changes go, but with the way the rules are going to be going, that raise year, I, I really wonder, Heim Bloom, maybe he should take that Red Sox job. Because what he wants to do, this the, the way, I'm not going to say exactly that this is what he wants to do, but this is how they felt they had to do it, and it worked. But the rule changing, I don't think it's going to work. Now, here's the good news for the Rays. So Blake Snell had the arthroscopic surgery on his left elbow, was limited to time this year. Remember the year before the Cy Young at 21-5 and with a 1.89? He should be back next year. Tyler Glass now, who had the issues yesterday with tipping his pitches, he had a right forearm strain during the year, hoping he'll be back. And then you got Charlie Morton. So if you've got Snell, Glass now, Morton, for the majority of the season. And you can get, I don't know, let's say 33 starts out of them. So I'll take you to what, 99? Let's just make it an even 100. If you can get that out of those three guys, now Kevin Cash and Hein Bloom, they've, just, they've got 62 games to figure out how they do it with the opener and the follower or the bolt guy or whatever. So it's pretty amazing the season when you really break down the numbers at the end of how the Rays got it done. When your bullpen throws, I mean, 70 more, just about 70 more innings than your starters, that's crazy. But I tip my cap. By the way, uh, Cody, quickly, before we get to uh, Johnny Gomes, um, pitchers, starting pitchers wins, the thing that you, you think is highly overrated. Um, who's number one in baseball? Houston. At 79. Which is, which is incredible. They have 79 wins. Who's number two? Um, the Oakland Athletics. At 68. Who's number three? That would be the Twins at 67. Number four, Braves. The Nats at 66. Number five, well, kind of a tie here. I'm giving you the top 10. Dodgers and Indians at 62. Atlanta, 60. New York, 60. Arizona, 56. And St. Louis, 55. What do all these teams have in common? Oh, they went to the playoffs. Or had good seasons. Only Arizona and Cleveland didn't. Uh, get into the postseason. Cleveland only won 93 games in the postseason. Yeah, by the way, the other two teams that use more reliever innings than starters, um, that'd be the Los Angeles Angels of Long Beach, Orange County, and the Toronto Blue Jays, the Baby Jays. Those are the only other teams. What do those two teams have oh. in common? They didn't make the playoffs. Oh, 
They had rough, rough years. And, well, I mean, the Angels have found out Matt Harvey and Trevor Cahill, who the Dark Knight, who couldn't <laughs> what ERA's over six. The Dark Knight, who some people are calling up, bring him up to the A's bullpen. Hey, he pitched well in relief down there, a friend. Okay, one of our favorites, an ultimate winner, Johnny Gomes will join us next here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay. Ace Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Johnny Gomes at a Petaluma, a World Series champion, a heck of a leader, and a guy that. I know Bob Melvin feels could be a manager someday. Johnny's got a lot of things going, though. I know he's working right now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, living down in Arizona. He actually tried broadcasting out as he was uh, doing West Coast games for the Red Sox. But I can tell you, as a leader, as a guy that controls the clubhouse, a clutch performer. Everybody loved having Johnny on their ball club. There's no question about it. And he joins us here. We always like to say friend of the program because we miss him, how good he was to us here with the athletics. Johnny Gomes. Johnny, how are you, my friend? If you are satisfied with your message, press 1 to listen to your message. Millennial Technology. 2012, don't forget, he won the Catfish Hunter Award. So what are we going to do here, Commander? Are you just going to keep calling him? In his defense, he said that he might be driving, so we'll see. He was flying back to Petaluma today. So, really? He's coming back to the Bay? Yeah. He told me to, I said, told him I'd send him a text, and he said, okay, thank you. And I sent him a text earlier, and he never responded, so I was shooting for maybe he'll pick up. What time was his flight? He did not divulge that information to me. He may be in the air as we speak. And if that's the case, then, you know, we'll just get him tomorrow. I mean, get him up. We're not going to be. No, not tomorrow. We'll be in Reno tomorrow, the biggest little city in the world. If he goes right to voicemail, then he's he's probably in the air. Oh, there we go. The great Johnny Holmes, Johnny Gomes, once again, Catfish Hunter Award winner back in Voice 2012. Seven. It's all right. Just text him, and if not, we'll get him on Monday. You want to know how different the American League is from the National League? Something to look for in the next couple days here as we'll hook up with the NLCS and ALCS. Watch for this. Here's a little note for you. People who are into old school baseball, you like movement, you like bunting, you like stealing, you like hit and running. Watch for this in the NLCS. Opponents this year off our good friend Kurt Suzuki 
are 48 for 53 in steal attempts. Oof. Now, remember, that's not all on the, the catcher. It depends on how fast your pitcher is to the plate. But it is what it is. They're 48 of 53. Annabelle Sanchez, who's starting tonight, Annabelle Sanchez is base stealers are 15 for 15. So he's obviously slow to the plate. Suzuki hasn't been throwing guys out. And both these teams like to run. So for the old school baseball fan, this might be a series you're into. The Cards and the Nats tied for the NL lead with 116 stolen bases during the regular season. 116. You looked it up, Cody. What did the A's have? 40-something? 48 stolen bases for the Athletics. 48 versus 116. Now, offensively, the NLDS was carried by Paul Goldschmidt and Marcel Ozuna. They combined to hit 429 with four home runs in the NLDS against Atlanta. Everybody else, what did they do? If your name was not Goldschmidt or Ozuna, they probably didn't hit their weight at a buck 95 and no home runs. How did they move on? You read numbers like that. And by the way, Anthony Rendon, I would not throw to him. He's pretty good. He's going to get a lot of money this offseason. Last four games, he's 7 for 14, four extra base hits, five RBIs. I mean, he's just killing it. You asked how the Cardinals moved on. They scored 10 runs in the in the first inning on the, against the Braves in game five. Do you, do you think that helps? When you score 10 runs in the first inning? Yeah. Well, yes, as we were sitting here, I, I thought, oh, okay, here comes Flaherty. And he walked the first guy or whatever he did. It's like, oh, I, I was, know. Remember I said, like, how do you, you had a 10-run lead and you walked the first guy? What the hell are you doing? A lot of, there was a lot of con- controversy in that game. Flaherty hit uh, Ronald Acuna later in the game, and that didn't uh, didn't go over well. And all Acuna does is he gives you that. He's got that. He's got that. He's got a bad look. Nothing personal. Acuna's got that look that it's just like, really. Acuna just. I mean, that's what we're efforting to get Josh Donaldson, longtime friend of the program. I want to know what kind of guy he is. Because he, he looks like a guy that, obviously, the body language, the antics, and this is not a, a let, let these kids play. Right? This is just, he just looks like just a, a, a guy that would be tough to deal with. But there's some guys who are like that, that but they love you when, you when you're on their team. But there's also some guys who are like that, and your own team doesn't like you. That happens where you're such a load and you're such a me, me, me guy. The talent is there, no question. It'd be you know, Ron Washington, third base coach for the Braves, you know, longtime A's coach. We had him on, we had him on uh, before game five. And, of course, he said all the right things, and he has to because, you know, 
you're on a show like this, someone picks it up. Ron Washington said, and next you know, headlines can start. But he said, hey, as Acuna goes, we go. And that's true, and he signed a long-term contract. Very interested to see what Josh Donaldson will say. Because I'm figuring Donaldson's one of the guys that had to sit him down. With the interpreter. That would be behind closed doors, knowing J.D. the way he is. J.D. upset with the play of Acuna or the hustle. Talking through an interpreter. I'd actually pay to watch that. I actually really, really would pay to watch that. Are we excited? I mean, are we excited about the uh, NLCS? I know I know. people are always about names, and you're thinking about the Dodgers and media markets. Well, I mean, D.C.'s a big media market, and the Cardinals are one of the great franchises in the history of baseball. You see that uniform, and you see greatness. So the greatest players in the history of the game have played for the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm actually looking forward to it because, to me, it's one of those, hey, these guys, they battled, and they earned it. And you may say, well, that sucks because the A's won 97 and Ray's only won. You play in the league and you play in the division you play in. How many times have they won the World Series? 1926, 1931, 1934, 1942, 1944, 1946, 1964, 1967, 1982, 2006, and 2018. And there's been a bunch other times they've been in the World Series. Uh, quickly, before we're going to get to buying or selling, want to address the baseball. Because everybody's trying to come out with this rumor that they went back and got older baseballs. Have We haven't confirmed what year. But when haven't been the baseballs juiced lately? Like, how far back would they have to go? I just think that's a really dangerous thing to do. When you start messing with equipment and it just takes one person to leak it, and next thing you know, you've got a bad – think about what we went with Tom Brady and deflated footballs. Think about that. That was not a pretty thing. Nor was it good for the NFL. That was just taking less air out of a ball. That wasn't switching the football. That wasn't modifying the football from a standpoint of we we use different footballs every year. We're going back to the football from four years ago. Because I don't get, like they say, last year. You're not telling me last year's baseball? Is it that dramatically? I mean, all the, these balls have probably been juiced for, I'm not going to say juiced, they've been They've been made better now probably for the past couple of years. Now, are the seams maybe a little different? Well, you know, if you went to a ball with bigger seams, pitchers are going to immediately bring it up. It's a conspiracy theory that you cannot keep. I mean, there'll be, there'll be pitchers bringing it up. Hey, this feels different, and I haven't heard that yet. 
Now, the Baseball Prospectus put out a article that if you if you looked at launch angle and drag and all these different things going into the games, what day was that? Was that Thursday? That there should have been 20, according to the way the ball flew this year, there, there should have been at this point now like 24 more home runs. I just, I just can't see baseball doing that. Is that from Johnny? Well, yeah, call him now. We'll do Johnny right now. Or, or, or say if you want to do it Monday. Do it now or we can do it Monday. But that is, I mean, when, you, when you're, that would be a decision that how many people would you have to keep in the loop to say we're changing the most important thing in the game for the postseason? The most important thing is the ball. Everything starts with the baseball. Play doesn't start until the pitcher throws the baseball. And you're going to change that for the postseason? I'm not a lawyer, but wow. I don't know what the legal ramifications are for that. And that's where Rob Manfred and his guys are not stupid. And their legal team. And you'd have to be, and I know Major League Baseball now owns part of Rawlings. This is just not one or two people that would be making this decision. And that would be in the know. This would be quite a few people. And the credibility of your sport. Oh, I hate to think. I would really hate to think you're changing, you know, all of a sudden, hey, we played hockey. Oh, we're changing the puck for the playoffs. Hey, basketball, this is the basketball we played. Well, we're changing the basketball for the It just seems absurd. And I think we're going to get Dr. Meredith Wills, who has done a great job, get her at three on Monday to see what she thinks. What are we going to do? Are we going to do Johnny now or are we going to do him Monday? Wait for him to respond. Uh, I figure I'll give him another minute, if not, and we'll call him because we'll have about 10 minutes left. I told him, so we have about 10 minutes or so. And I said, if you want to do it now or if you want to wait till Monday, and waiting for a response. Or do you want to go to buying or selling? Let's just call Johnny now. Just call Johnny. Just call our old friend Johnny Gomes. He doesn't pick up. We'll go to buying or selling and we'll restructure. We'll ask him. That just seems to I mean, he's a guy who's played in the playoffs many times. It just seems straight crazy that you would change the most important thing in the sport for the playoffs. People love home runs. It's the bottom line. Johnny, do we have you? Zero, eight. All right, just let's go to buying or selling. We'll, we'll, deal, deal, we'll get Johnny next week. The great Johnny Gomes. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. 
All right, what do you got, Commander? Well, it's not how they expected that to go down, but, you know, life comes at you fast. If you don't look around, you might miss it. Shout out Ferris Bueller. So I was thinking, after we saw Gabe Kapler fired in Philadelphia after two mediocre seasons, 81 and 81 this year, and Kapler went 161 and 163 in his two seasons managing the Phillies. Mickey Calloway, our old friend, was also fired after two seasons with the Mets. Mickey Calloway has a career record of 163 and 161 after going 86 and 76 this year. Buying or selling Mickey Calloway will be a manager again before Gabe Kapler. Wow. I don't know where to go on that because there's now a bunch of Dodger ties out there. You know, they could be linking Kapler. Oh, it could be going to San Francisco. I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy that Mickey will be a manager before Kapler. It, you know, because the way Kapler's tenure went, um Are you a little distracted? You were going on about you're going on about making I'm sorry, I'm texting Johnny back. I I, I think it's gonna be tough for both of them to get a job soon. Remember, I said I wanted Mickey to be the Pirates manager, but his name's not even being thrown around right now. You know, Kapler, there was a lot of questionable decisions. There was a lot of different stuff. and um, But then Mickey, the way he handled things with the writer, and I – the thing Mickey could go – Mickey Mickey will have an easier time rehabbing his image than I think Gabe Kapler will. Because Gabe Kapler went from never being a coach to being a manager. So – uh, buying or selling for me, it's about cap. It's about cap. Uh, Mickey Callaway getting a job first, right? Yeah, I'm buying. Okay, well that kind of th- threw off my next question. I'm going to ask you anyway. So the Giants need a manager, and Farhan Zaidi has ties to a guy out there, and I'm not talking about Raul Abanez. That guy could be Gabe Kapler, who we just discussed. Kapler was the Dodgers' director of player development when Farhan was hired around the same time. They both started in 2014. Buying or selling, Gabe Kapler will be the next manager of the San Francisco Giants. It doesn't get more SF than Gabe Kapler. Uh, I'm selling that, and you're gonna try and tell me you're gonna you're gonna shoe Bruce Bochy on for Gabe Kapler, who's just been unsuccessful in Philadelphia. No way does that happen. So in the blowout of Game Five versus the Braves, Jack Flaherty took matters into his own hands when they were up whatever score it was, 13 to one or 10 one. In the fifth inning, Jack Flaherty made the only his second mistake of the game. He gave a ho- the solo home run to Donaldson er- er- inning before, but then he hit Ronald Acuna Jr. And here's what Jack Flaherty said through the game. He's been having his antics all series. The guy hits a ball off the wall, he gets a single out of it. So he wants to take exception to it. He can do whatever he wants. He can talk all he, all he wants, but he tried to go in. We talk. Our scouting report is to go in. We go in. So it got away. It hit him. He wants to take exception to it. He can do whatever he wants. Flaherty denied it. Denied he did it on purpose. David O'Brien, who covers the who covers the Braves for the Athletic, tweeted that he doesn't. He still doesn't understand why the Braves didn't have reliever Sean Newcomb hit Flaherty to show they have Ronald Acuna's back. Buying or selling Braves players don't have Ronald Acuna's back. Didn't think about that. Buying. Why would you? You're already losing. You're gonna be gone. Why wouldn't you? Are you doing it because if it's a play? I mean, they they hit you because the score was out of hand. Why do you not retaliate? Or you just don't want to do it in the postseason? You're like, we'll get them back next year. 
That's what I feel like. It's we'll get you back next year because it's supposed to. But you're already down thirteen to one or whatever the score was at the time. But then again, like we have seen in San Francisco, Hunter Strickland going after Bryce Harper, where Buster Posey's like, "You're an idiot." So sometimes your teammates don't have your back. Yeah, and I feel like this is the case where they did, they didn't. And uh, you're. You brought up a good point saying how you'd you'd pay to see Donaldson talk to him to be an interpreter. I, I think I'm with you. I, I, I'd buy that, too. I'd like to see that. So the rumors out there are that uh, Joe Madden could be the next manager of the twi- the uh, Angels. But we'll get to that in a minute. MLB.com recently did an article on the top five destinations for Steven Strasburg if he planned to opt out. They listed the Nats, the Padres, the Phillies, White Sox, and, yes, the Angels. The Padres are the obvious one because that's where he's from, San Diego State, blah, blah, blah. The Angels are most appealing because of Mike Trout, Joe Madden, and a potential Garrett Cole trio. Buying or selling, Steven Strasburg will opt out to join the L.A. Angels next season. I'm selling. I think he stays right where he is. I think he's happy where he is. They're making a run. They're in the NLCS. It'd be silly to leave. I mean, especially if they say they go into the World Series. You got Soto. This kid's going to be a star. Uh, I, I think he stays. If he if he leaves, I would then bet he goes to San Diego. But um, that way. Hey, Padres o- are linked to like everyone. Otani, Cole, and Strasburg? And potentially Garrett Cole? And Pool Host still I there? I said, Otani, Cole, Stra- uh, Strasburg. And Trout. And Trout. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. And Pool Host still there. Nah, you can have him. So a uh, friend of the program, Scott Miller, reported earlier this week that Joe Madden could join the Angels as their next manager as soon as the end of this week. There have been reports refuting that, saying it's not going to happen this week because apparently the Angels are going to interview other people for the job like Buck Showalter. Madden has managed the Rays and the Cubs and won the World Series in 2016 with the said Cubs. Madden spent 31 years with the Angels before joining the Rays. In 2014, the Cubs went 73-89 the first year Madden took over. They went 97-65 and 65 and lost in the NLCS. Buying or selling, if Joe Madden is hired by the Angels, they will be in the playoffs next season. Selling. How are they going to do that? Well, I just I just told you. They, they could parallels with the uh, the Cubs. Are they going to be better than the, uh, the Astros? Uh, no. Are they going to be better than the A's? No, but they can still get that second wild card. Selling. Last one because I wanted to get to this for a while. What time are we out? Uh, we got about two minutes. Since the Sharks have been struggling, yes, they got their first win, so they're now uh, what one and four, one and three, one and four. They uh, they now have scored more goals, which is good because that kind of throws off this part of it. But the Philadelphia Flyers announced Tuesday that they are adding a assembly room or a rage room to the Wells Fargo Center, located behind a hidden library wall entrance in the team's new assembly room, lounge, and bar. And the anger cave allows Flyers fans to take out their aggression on household items like TVs, dishware, bottles, and guitars using a variety of tools like baseball bats, orange and black sledgehammers, and, of course, hockey sticks. Fans must wear protective gear during the session, and there's an observation room. The Rage Room concept uh, started in Japan about a decade ago and eventually spread to U.S. locations like right here in San Jose. Buying or selling the Coliseum and the Shark Tank need to add a Rage Room. That just seems like a bad idea. You're going to allow people to go in with objects and destroy other objects, even if they're highly protected. I bet you, you know what? I bet you got to sign some type of big waiver. I don't think. I, I don't know. It's Philadelphia. They probably let people get away with it. No, I don't. I, I, I bet you got to. I am selling. 
Okay. I am set rage room. Quickly, we can get to one because we kind of talked about it earlier. Uh, following the, his, their historic loss to the Cardinals, Brian McCann decided to call it a career. McCann is 35 years old. He has a career war of 31.8. In his career, he's at 282 home runs, including 20 and 10 of his 11 full seasons in the majors. Buster Posey is 32 years old and has a career war of 42.1 and 140 career home runs. McCann is celebrated as an incredible pitch framer, which has become more popular over the years. Buying or selling, Brian McCann is a better Hall of Fame candidate than Buster Posey. I'm going to say neither. Career wars of what? Uh, 31.8 and uh, 42.1. Uh, neither one of those gets you into the Hall of Fame. But Buster won three World Series. Uh, 31.8 and 42.1 war will not get you into the Hall of Fame. You'll have to be voted in after you're off the ballot for 10 years or you don't get enough. But there's no way. That's it? I'm off to the biggest little city in the world, Reno. I'll be at the El Dorado. I'm probably hanging out in the Silverado. uh, Is it Silverado? No, it's not Silverado. It's a Silver Legacy Sportsbook. Watching uh, football all weekend long and, of course, the baseball playoffs. We'll be back on Monday from 1 to 4. Up next, we will replay the entire show. So if you missed Bob Melvin, if you missed Kevin Franzen, if you missed Nick Swisher, Johnny Gomes hopefully we'll have on Monday. Yes, we're going to tape an interview with him at 11 o'clock on Monday. We will have him on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you back here on A's Cast Live on Monday. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.